Welcome to Both Down, episode 100. 100. 100. The number one Blood Bowl podcast. In the new and the old world. Okay, I can accept that. <laughs> this is Steve, a.k.a. Kilowoggy. And I'm Scott Prime. Look Welcome. At, look at that. Things haven't changed, even though we kind of mentioned that they might. What do you mean? I don't know. I, I want to do like a new theme song. I want to do all kinds of new stuff. I but know. We've you just keep... been so busy. Yeah. And really, it's kind of a a staple. Yeah. I mean, like, you hate my naming convention. God, yes. And I really dislike the Dr. Detroit music. And at the same time, it's kind of like us. So it's like I look in the mirror and go, <laughs> I don't like that person, but it's so me. That's valid. Yeah. <laughs> this... Ah, yes. Episode 100, though. Like, Quite actual, a... true, we actually numbered 100. It's <laughs> probably really episode Maybe 125 like... or something. But... <laughs> Somewhere. I mean, probably like 115, but I mean, like... Every bit, That's yeah. okay. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I always look at the podcast in comic book format. Like, you have issues, and then you have specials, and then you have, like, annuals, mm. and then you have sometimes, like, a limited series where you have a guest appearance with, like... You know, three die brawl for like four episodes mm -hmm. or something, and then you say their name wrong. You say three die brawl instead of three die block, but yeah, whatever. That's close enough. <laughs> so, how have you been? I've been pretty good. How yeah. are you? I'm doing well. I'm making it through the quote unquote rough time at work by just showing up every day, and I usually get work. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. No, I'm being dead serious. Yeah. Like, why people are. If you don't know, I work for the FAA, and um, we train air traffic controllers. And when there's no students, there's no work. And there's not so many students right now. But at my job, I'm lucky where if I go and show up right before the shift time, if mm -hmm. people call in or whatever, they need people to work. So I'm like a – I always call it the soup line. Like, I'm, I'm here yeah. for the soup line. <laughs> and um, I'm now being known as one of the most reliable people. I was say, you're old reliable. <laughs> I am, and uh, like even, I think it was Thursday, they came around and said, you want to work tomorrow? I mean, they just flat out asked me, we already know that somebody's not going to be here and you want to work. And nice. I was like, hell yeah, I do. So, Speaking of jobs, uh, not only have I started my job at... Steve's running the place. Not running the place, but I did already get promoted. So I finished my training class. <laughs> but this is step one of you running the place. Well, yeah. <laughs> I'll probably never run the place, but you know get somewhere around there you want to be top henchman yes <laughs> i've always said like i make a great number two like my buddy mike i always wanted him to run get into politics so he can be number one yeah well he's mexican he's retired military he's partially disabled from that um he's got a white wife so you know there's you can appeal to both sides there you go like he's a very good person to put into politics and i can run him so like he gives me all the tasks he's the face and it like works out well you're the quato of your buddy mike essentially <laughs> never got him to do it but it was, it was always put out there i mean retired nsa i mean many well, years of the military so it put him in the dress uniform and i'm just in the background like you know a political strategist you're the, you're the man behind the curtain, Steve. That's, that's what I want. 
But yes, uh, I got promoted at my job right after training to be a trainer. So I'm still in training class. That's because <laughs> as you were being trained, you were helping train the people better than they were being trained. Is that correct? Partially. I was helping out <laughs> with other people. Um, I had to take three tests. And for the last two tests, I moved them up so I couldn't take them faster. Uh-huh. And then I used like two weeks that I had extra just to help train redo some of their documents i brought in my own laptop and redid stuff and look created new material look at you you're a changed man it, you're showing up on time yeah it's really easy to show up on time when it's three in the afternoon i know but i, I think <laughs> you fall into the same category as me when somebody lets you slide in work late and they go oh, yes. oh don't worry about it you go oh really mm-hmm. then i won't and i'll see you tomorrow five minutes later than today it also depends on the position like, at my job now, I am important. I'm seen as that. And it actually matters if I'm there or not. That's Versus true. a cog in a machine where nobody cares. And you, I could slip away for three hours and do nothing and nobody would know. Right, I get that. I mean, feeling appreciated yes. always helps. I, I mean, people I, don't realize. Just coming by and saying, hey, you did a really good job today. Man, it, it has been so long since I felt that at a job. That it's just crazy. Like, oh, people, I'm actually smart and I know what I'm doing. Wow, this is cool. Mm-hmm. And people know. Yeah, they're not mad at you just for being at work. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. But yeah, that's uh, made things a little difficult on the recording aspect because I am working three to midnight, basically. Right, which is total opposite of what I work because mm-hmm. I work seven to three thirty. So mm-hmm. it's making um, getting together a little bit more difficult, but we will work around that schedule yeah um but blood bowl has been being played or the league at wizards has started leagues seems to be going pretty well yeah um in case i don't know if we mentioned this or not um might have in passing but we restarted the league we we took a break from like a fall winter league and we just did a tournament you know because we had some new people that didn't know what they wanted to play or what team for sure Mm mm-hmm so we did a little winter league and played out a tournament just casually. Everything counted, you know, injuries, skills, all that. It was for people to try teams or to take a team into the next league. So now we've started our winter spring league. Yeah. And this time, instead of just showing up on like a Wednesday or Monday and then randomly playing somebody, we decided to, you commit. I commit to next month. And then we schedule you some games randomly obviously yeah and you get those taken care of and if for some reason life you know has you busy you just say hey man i'm too busy in the month of february i'll, I'll be back in march this so has worked out really well and i really really like it well we're gonna see how it continues to well, work yeah. out we still have two games left to play as a as this recording with about five days left of the month yeah so i'm kind of scared they're not gonna get played but I think that's just the Debbie Downer in me versus the <laughs> optimistic guy. But we have a lot of new players. Yeah. I think we, what, six new players? Five? I was thinking four, but could be six. I'm counting Gary in there, too. So maybe maybe I'm just being. <clears throat> oh, yeah. If you're counting Gary. Well, that's then, right. Yeah. We got Anthony back who sat out a season yeah. last season. So okay. he's not necessarily new. to new. the season, sure. Right. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, it's really funny. Um with these new people, some of them don't 
or haven't purchased the rule books yet. Mm-hmm. So they just like look at downloads and stuff online and how much they misinterpret. Um, oh yeah. I played against the guy who played ogres uh, this season and there was a lot of things that he misinterpreted and it's just like, man, you got to start knowing these rules because other people you play might not know them either. So they might just like accept that you hurt your guys all the time or yeah, I saw, or this or that. Um, two people, one who's played a season or so before, at least, maybe more, both think that if you did an inaccurate pass, it scattered one time. I was right. like, no, you should know better than this. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we're kind of trying to i guess is it coach mentor mentor the blood bowl rules i tell you though and and it's funny because everybody still expects me to know every rule by heart and i'm like dude i haven't played goblins in three years so i don't know well Well, how how come you don't know how to throw a teammate i was like well i could tell you what i think but it's probably not a hundred percent accurate and if it was lrb just bust out the lrb and read it that's that's the main problem still i wish we had one i'm telling you I'd pay for it. I'd pay $10 for it, like a digital resource. I'd pay a $5 monthly fee if they just had a... Well, don't tell them that. That's too much. I don't care. I mean, if it was all in one space that I could download or print off it to my leisure and everything was updated, mm-hmm. it'd be worth it. And it really because needs to like, be in the format of that like LRB. Yeah. That way it's just, oh, here's some new material. If you want the fluff, it's mm-hmm. here in the Ogre you know, Spike. If you just want the rules, here it is on this page or whatever. Because I played a game with my Camry, and I had, I think, 300K or so inducements. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what I could take. Right. Like, I don't know what my inducements are anymore. Yeah. So I just ended up murking a guy with dirty player and a bribe, and he was going off. And I used to be able to... He just KO'd people, though. He never casualed anybody. With the same thing with inducements. I used to be able to say, like, oh, you have this much? Well, you can take the... Here's your options. And here's the stars, and here's this. I'm like, I'm not 100% sure. You know? Like, you're going to have to do some research. I hate to... (laughs) Like, I don't even know what the wizard is anymore. The wizard's just a fireball? Was a fireball and a frog? Was that a different wizard? I think they're all different. Yeah, but there's one sports wizard now, and we should know that. We should, but we don't, we don't. use it that much. So, and it's and like Camry hasn't come out, so we're still using the old stars for them. I know we're kind of still maybe going off on tangent here in the beginning. But that's okay. Yeah, we whatever. needed to catch up. Um, what <laughs> I am fascinated. I mean, like my mind is blown by this giant inducement. <laughs> Not the fact that, like, it's good yeah, or it's bad or the rules are weird. I am fascinated, though, at how many people are, like, breaking their necks, you know, trying to get a a giant model. I got to get a giant model. It's like, bro, it's a 400K inducement. You're not going to use it that often. We don't know. We don't know what other people do. I mean... If you if it's a new team versus a team that's been in the league for four Maybe, years, but my point is this: I want you to take the giant. Oh yeah, because I believe that I can get away from that thing and it never bother me. Mostly, take your one big giant. Yeah, we will discuss ogres probably next tournament or I, next tournament next episode. I really want to play against a giant to see if i can handle it as easy as i think three die block made a good comment that it seems like a computer inducement like then the computer can handle all the rules 
Hmm. I was like, yeah, I would be more apt to take it there than because now you have to have two pages of rules and help your other person knows what they're doing. And right. Anyways, it, it just cracks me up all the time that so many people are like, I can't wait to play Ogre so I can play as a giant. It's like, dude, I'd rather have the other guys. Yeah. I will say the, um, I know we're going to talk more in depth about Ogres, but I love the new inducements of the, uh, what is it, Radical Rookies or the inducement oh, for, yeah. a, for 100 where you can get a bunch of extra Snotlings, I think is amazing. It is very interesting. But yeah, we'll get we'll, to that next we'll episode. More, yeah. um, what do we have this episode, Scott? We have an amazing episode for you. An amazing episode. First, we have an interview with... Mark Gascoigne. If you don't know who that is, he's been around Blood Bowl since the beginning. He is pretty much why we love Blood Bowl, apparently. He created the fluff. We then will talk about the Downies of 2019. Those are our fun awards that we just look back and reflect on the year that was Blood Bowl and talk about tournaments and trips and all other things that we've acquired yep. for the love of this game. And, and then... And then... We interviewed James Hewitt, who brought Blood Bowl 2016 to life. And some Blitz Bowl. And Blitz Bowl. And if you play the Hellboy game. Hellboy. And if you play uh, various other <laughs> games. Um, and who knows for the future. Right. He's got uh, a lot of the stuff going on. So we are very excited that we have all these guests on for a special episode 100. It still w- feels weird to say 100. I know. Like, I really thought the guys from Anything But A One would beat us. Yeah, they kind of slowed down. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> the, the every week thing was kind of hard when you got four people. <laughs> That's okay. We're, we're, we are the consistent, whether it's good or bad, yeah. podcast. And I like that role. So Yeah, I'm good with that. All right. We, I don't think we've missed a month at all. No. I mean, we're going to find out here in a second. Thank God we had that uh, SRG special yeah. uh, super show because this one's getting kind of close. Well, we kept kept waiting for a different interview, but that didn't pan out yet. So we'll That's see. That's okay. Yeah, we'll we'll get to it eventually. We'll keep that under wraps and yep. keep that a nice little secret weapon. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, <laughs> cheering fans! <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, take a quick break, and we will come back with our first interview. Both Down is brought to you by Wizards Asylum, your premier source for comics and games in Norman, Oklahoma. Check them out online at wizardsnorman.com. Welcome, everybody. Uh, with Scott and I, we have one of probably the most influential people we could get for Blood Bowl, Mark Gascoigne. Welcome. Good evening, everyone. Did Steve say that right, Mark? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> wasn't too it's, bad. Uh, it's a <laughs> well, you know, I need, he had to go earlier when the tapes weren't rolling. And got it exactly right, but now he's <laughs> being a little bit uh, self-conscious. But yeah, it's from it's from the French and um, Gascony uh, in southwest France is the area. We came over to the UK as uh, weavers and sheep herders somewhere between the 12th and 15th century. So. Um, uh, I've never traced it back, but I believe that's where it's from. In the UK, we have uh, we have a famous Gascoigne, Paul Gascoigne, the uh, 
uh, fairly uh, noted uh, footballer and intellectual. Oh, okay. One of those two being true. <laughs> so would you say if if everybody considers Jervis Johnson the the father of Blood Bowl, you're the uncle, or like, are you, the, or, or are you the mother? He's the mother. You. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was going to go for for charming uncle, the kind who turns up at Christmas, gives the kids something inappropriate, then leaves again the next day. That's my role. Um, he was—he's very much the father and mother of uh, of Blood Bowl, I would say, because uh, you know he, he's in touch with those both of those sides. But uh, being from an acting family, but uh, now I, I I helped him with the, with the gestation and the birth, and uh, as I've always said, I took out most of his commas and put in some of the jokes, and that was basically what I did on it. So if we look at the beginning of your career, I mean, you started with GW before it was even purchased by Citadel, correct? That's right. Yeah, I joined them in uh, spring of 84. Uh, yeah, that's that's right. Uh, before that, I'd been a fanzine editor. And uh, our fanzine, Dragon Lords, run by three of us, uh, sarcastic, punky little schoolboys. <laughs> we basically just... Uh, ripped Games Workshop a new one in every uh, every issue, or so we thought. <laughs> Frankly, we were just being uh, annoying, silly little kids. But uh, we didn't do – well, we kind of did do the usual rotor, uh, you know, round of uh, Dungeons & Dragons character classes and new monsters and things. But our approach was never to be serious if we could find a cheap joke. <laughs> so in our earliest issues – um, the first character class we ran was the corpse, a somewhat less than lively character class <laughs> that everyone else has to drag around with them with a full ex experience uh, table that took you up to stiff, cadaver, <laughs> uh, rotting menace and all those all those sort of things. Um, but one of the key things we got into was taking the Mickey out of games workshop. Um, we started presenting them with made up awards uh, at Games Day, the big games convention. And um, we turned up to interview in Livingston once, but uh, one of us forgot the tape recorder, so we went home and made it all up, which I wasn't entirely <laughs> pleased about. Um, so uh, I'd been uh, doing this for, for three and a half years. We'd won the Best Fanzine Award. My One of my two fellow writers on, on Dragon Lords, Ian Marsh, had joined Games Workshop, uh, fresh out of university, uh, a few months ahead of me, um, and had moved up from the warehouse to become assistant editor on White Dwarf because he too obviously had valuable magazine experience, albeit mostly of the slagging off Games Workshop variety. <laughs> so there was a job going in the warehouse, and uh, I'd been working in a game shop and uh, had lost that job and uh, was invited in for an interview for the warehouse. But while I was sitting in reception filling in a uh, all my details on the form, me and Livingston came wandering through, did the, the best comedy double take this side of Harold Lloyd or Buster <laughs> Keaton, and then said, oh, when you finish talking to the chap who runs the warehouse, uh, would you mind nipping in and having a chat with me? I've got a, something a little more interesting than stacking shelves and driving a forklift. So uh, the warehouse guy wasn't too pleased because he'd only just lost Ian after a couple of months <laughs> up to, upstairs to White Dwarf. And uh, Ian uh, gave me an early draft of, the rule system for a skirmish war game based around Judge Dredd and said, well, we're thinking that this uh, should become a full role-playing game. What would you do to it? I'm going to give you 20 minutes and you tell me. So it's exactly what I did. Um, this uh, rule system was by Rick Priestley, who at that point working up at Citadel up in Nottingham. And uh, I, uh, most of my um, suggestions were on the background and adding a lot of detail. For me, Dredd's satire a lot of the uh, pop culture references and the ultraviolence all mingled together to create a great experience. Even if, frankly, if you're playing a judge, it's kind of hard to lose. 
So the, the battle system was working pretty well on that side, but it needed a lot more rich background. So I, uh, I did that, had a good chat with Ian. He said he'd think about it and asked me to ring him up on the next Monday. And when I did so, he pretended to toss a coin over the other end of the phone. Uh, <laughs> years later, telling me he was getting revenge for all those uh, sarcastic things we said about him. And I started the week after. And uh, pretty soon I was in an office with myself, Ian, and uh, the then editor of White Dwarf, Jamie Thompson, who we tortured mercilessly, bless him. <laughs> so but, was... Uh, I, I was working in game development. I'd taken over from a chap called Joe Diva, who'd moved on from Games Workshop uh, to uh, to write game books. Because obviously I'm, I'm sure you're aware that Livingston and Jackson's, uh, Steve Jackson and Ian Livingston, created the British end of fighting fantasy, which was our, our UK equivalent of Choose Your Own Adventure. And they'd done so well that other publishers were coming to them saying, oh, could you write a series for us? Could you write a series for us? And of course the answer is no, they're under contract to Penguin and doing very well. But they would happily pass along these requests to other game editors, developers, the White Dwarf staff and so on. So one by one, various of the uh, the more senior staffers moved on to and went freelance writing their books for really quite a lot of money for the, for the time it uh, it lasted. Can't so I on. took over, Ian took over White Dwarf, I took over games development. And uh, there I met this very tall, smiley fellow, distinct hint of Mr. Bean about him, bless him, <laughs> um, called Jervis with a, a funny name, who I actually vaguely knew. He'd, uh, uh, he'd gone out with a woman who was close friends with uh, my best mate from college. And uh, when I uh, arrived at Games Workshop, Tony, who'd also done artwork on Dragon Lords, said, oh, you should look out for this tall guy. He's, uh, he's going out with Mandy, who you've met. And it's like, oh, small world, and so on and so forth, which uh, which indeed it turned out to be. On theoretical Drudge, Judge Dread game, was it a real game in work, or was it just for the interview itself, the skirmish game itself? No, it really came out. Uh, my first job um, was to prepare it for publication, and indeed... Uh, I was somewhat compromised by the fact that I had uh, not so much as a typewriter to work on, uh, <laughs> but in pencil and paper, I was writing it away, and then uh, I eventually managed to wrangle a, uh, an electric typewriter, so I'd type it up. And then they, uh, they couldn't really allocate too much resource to it, so uh, Albi Fiori, the uh, much-missed, late-lamented uh, Albi Fiori, who was head of game development at Games Workshop, and so much more, he was kind of the... Um, the right-hand man to Stephen Ian across many of the years of the early years of Games Workshop. Um, he uh, taught me how to operate one of those old Linotronic typesetting machines where um, type would come out in strips that you then paste up using hot wax on large layout boards. Wow. So slowly but surely, um, I pieced this thing together. I'd never designed an RPG before. I'd never uh, typeset before. I'd never really written or edited other than in fanzine levels. But I was very opinionated being a fanzine person, being a bit of a young punk, very much of, of that age, okay, uh, 16 in 78. And uh, I, uh, I was a very fast learner, as was Ian opposite me on Wide Dwarf. So between us, yeah, we found our way and supported each other awesome. building this thing. So after a year or so, the Judge Dread RPG came out and was a very strong seller. It was a box set uh, okay. role-play game with an awful lot of background. And the key thing for me was, as I said, the rich background of Judge Dredd kind of persuaded me that what we should do is we'll have a, a decent set of rules and then we'll give you a source book in the main set for all the major villains, locations, jokes, um, 
weaponry, situations, scenarios, and so on, ever, ever published in the pages of 2000 AD, which at that time was running to about 1,800 issues. Jeez. Uh, the, the weekend we went to press, uh, they had a story where the mayor of Mega City 1 was killed and replaced by an orangutan, and we managed to sneak that in at the last minute. So <laughs> the, uh, the source book runs to about 200,000 words. Wow. And uh, um, so just... They, I, I suspect that was the start of my love affair with background and building a real world that, I, frankly, I've kept going for the last 30 odd years. And really, when you were talking about it, you know, the pop culture references, the ultra violence, the humor, that does kind of lend itself into what Blood Bowl became. Could be. I mean, I well, see the I, gestation I, of I, it. I don't Go on. I was just going to say, I see the gestation of the idea. Yeah, very much so. Well, I mean, people always say that, um, you know, obviously Citadel Miniatures, funded by Games Workshop, uh, then grew large enough to be able to buy out Games Workshop and uh, well, use see, the resources to grow the uh, the very much spiky, ultra-violent Warhammer uh, ranges. I, did, um, but I, actually did not, that, I didn't realize that Citadel bought GW in, until we were preparing for this interview. I mean... I guess I've just never thought about it. I always thought they were like sister companies, but I didn't realize one bought out the other. Yeah, well, they, just... they very much were. I mean, uh, in the very earliest days of Games Workshop, Asgard Miniatures, which is Brian Ansell's independent um, miniatures foundry, would advertise in the pages of White Dwarf, would hmm. send their products to review. But uh, when they started importing Ralpartha Miniatures, uh, which were very much industry standard back in the day. And I'm talking 79, 80 sort of time, very crisply cast, far more heroically proportioned without being over the top, just beautiful miniatures um, that um, some of their designers en ended up working over at the, the nascent Citadel. And frankly, their miniatures were just so much better than everyone's. It made sense for Workshop to, first of all, obviously stock them in all their shops and on mail order, and then slowly but surely help them to become the official suppliers uh, for uh, for a whole variety of, of projects, including actually for a time some Judge Dread miniatures. Hmm. Did you but that's what I was going to say is although Warhammer came along with all its spiky chaos death, um, that ultra violence and the uh, uh, pop culture references and so on and so forth were, were always there whether it was people with chainsaws or uh, more Cockian references with the chaos or just, yeah, good old-fashioned Conan bonking people around the head with massive axes. <laughs> it's never very far away from anyone's D&D &D games, let alone Warhammer games. Right. Did you, before we drift away from Judge Dredd, did you work on, if I remember right, GW back then made a, what was it called? Block Mania for Judge Dread? Is that correct? It was like a box set? That, that was a little later. That was after the move up to Nottingham and Richard Halliwell. Okay. Uh, the, uh, somewhat crazed, uh, crazed genius designer uh, behind a lot of 40K and Warhammer imagery. Okay. Um, he was very taken with Dread, and he did a bunch of role-play supplements that I was his developer on. And then uh, as I left, uh, he was just uh, starting work on uh, Block Mania, okay. which was a uh, you know, kind of a, a war game played vertically across the balconies of two opposing tower blocks right. with the extreme heavy weaponry that is very, very similar in, in plot cool. and tone to the most recent Judge Dredd movie from Rebellion. Right. It was, probably, it was maybe 10 years ago I got to play a copy of it, and I really just thought it was really fun. But it just, 
it was so nostalgic because I remember that stuff coming out when I was just getting into comic books and stuff like that, but never had the money for the, you know, big pricey games. But I remember that stuff and then I played it. I really enjoyed it. And then recently somebody gave me a pretty good copy of Block Mania, a playable copy. Oh, wonderful. So uh, I, I, I was really happy. In my, in my cupboard because I, I, uh, I played it at the prototype stage. I never felt the need to break it out. I should love <laughs> it on eBay at some point. <laughs> there you go. So I guess Have that's... you noticed how many of these games, though, people, when you get to a certain age, either someone's kickstarting a new edition with all the bits in you could possibly want, so you'll happily lob them 100 bucks or 200 bucks, and yeah. you wonder what you're going to do with this 45-pound crate that with <laughs> all these things in, and how you're going to hide that from your better half. Or, um, or you start tracking them down on eBay, which is what I've started doing. I was uh, debating today whether to put a bid in on... Uh, uh, a very old board game from the mid-70s inspired by Jaws called Maneater, which has little plastic swimmers that when the the shark attacks you, you pop the legs off one by one. Oh, uh, man. It's a terrible game. But just to be able to play that with my 13-year-old son, I think, yeah, you know, happily, <laughs> that... uh, happily waste an afternoon with that. I like... wonder if that's the inspiration. There's a game that I bought years ago for my kids with cards and they have these little like robot, they call them robot figures. And every time the shark gets, it's called get bit. Mm-hmm. And every time the shark bites you, you lose a limb until you're nothing but a body. And then you lose. That's, hmm. I bet that was heavily inspired by your game since it sounds well, think, very much the I same think, thing. I think it's typical, you know, for sharks getting at you, what are you going to lose limbs? <laughs> just like, you know, some a watery equivalent of the black Knight from Monty Python. Aren't you? <laughs> exactly. So I guess that takes us right to the beginning of Blood Bowl. So what can you tell us about the actual creation of the game that brought us all here? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously Jervis was pottering away. I have, to, I, have, I have to say there's a real change in British culture that happened firstly with the arrival of Channel 4 television, which was a government-funded but independent uh, television channel, um, unlike the U.S., where private enterprise allowed local cable and uh, a proliferation of uh, TV barons and a whole swathe of channels, both good and bad. Mm -hmm. In the UK, until the late 70s, we had three television channels, and we didn't have colour till uh, till the mid-60s. And uh, as a result, television was seen as a very formulaic thing. It's the sort of thing where half the population could sit and watch a show on Christmas Day, and it would be uh, the highest-rated show of the year. Much like, yeah, they say the last ever episode of MASH was watched by 8 billion people. Well, every Saturday night was kind of like that in the UK. Yeah. You're either watching BBC or BBC Two or ITV, and that was it. But when Channel 4 came in, they had various um, issues with broadcasting unions, none of their adverts, uh, had, were able to have people in for uh, for uh, the first six months or a year. And they were offering very cheap rates. In fact, we even uh, uh, coded up and storyboarded uh, an advert, not for the Judge Red role-playing game, but its predecessor, the Judge Red board game that uh, we'd also done to fit in one of these Channel 4 ad breaks for like 20 quid or something to run this thing at prime time. <laughs> we never got around to it, but God, God knows where I've just remembered that from. But um, one of the key things they started doing was bringing in TV shows. Uh, from the USA and Sunday for us Sunday afternoon football which was last Monday's game being shown at basically you know late afternoon you'd been to the pub Saturday night you'd had a nice lie-in and then a Sunday lunch back in the pub or uh, around the family's house and then perfect time to sit down and watch this extraordinary game somewhere between rugby and uh, and draft shall we say with its own peculiar rules on timeouts the other thing of course is 
although Channel 4 is commercial television, it doesn't cut to commercial every three and a half minutes. They have no more than three ad breaks an hour, which means that you still stuck with the action, even when they went to commercial in the state, it's, which was very interesting. Huh. But they started showing highlights and they started showing full games. And then uh, people in, the, in London particularly started uh, playing their own games of American football. And for us, we... We sat and we tried to puzzle it out and they give you a little guide to the game each time. But of course, across 12 episodes. So, so for the first seven or eight, you had no idea what half the flags meant, <laughs> why this person was, was being called back, what the hell a Hail Mary was, what a Blitz was and so on and so forth. And it became a real puzzle for us gamer types to, to work out. And we were very passionate about it. We would gather around each other's houses, um, you know, bring food items or someone would cook, loads of beer, of course, and totally enjoy watching this the, the the main game and the highlights from a from across the NFL and it was no surprise at all when Jervis who was working in sales at the time rather than in uh, game design but was certainly one of the gang in terms of helping uh, test prototypes and discuss projects and potential game submissions uh, things like talisman and uh, some of the early games from West End that we ended up making like kings and things um, he was definitely part of the gang there and uh, revealed that he'd been pottering away on an American football game. And indeed, he had his first prototype, which was absolutely tremendous. Jervis and I budded up, obviously, because of uh, yeah, uh, mutual friends uh, through Mandy and so on, but also because both of us had worked in Game Center, this toy and game shop, uh, before we joined Games Workshop and had some mutual friends in common. So, he, as I say, he was always one of the guys uh, on the creative side, sales at the time, much like many sales departments, they like their, their reps to wear a tie, even if they're on the phone, because it <laughs> right. gives them the right attitude. And even though the rest of us were slobbing around in motorhead T-shirts or whatever it happened to be. <laughs> um, but we were very much yeah, the, the creative gang. Uh, but he was, he was made very welcome there. And it was fascinating that he, he had actually turned up with a game, and he didn't show it to us until he'd got it some way down the line. Um, but those early uh, prototypes, which were you know, bits of cardboard, I think initially just actually uh, cut out squares of paper on a paper board where he'd drawn a grid out. And uh, I think the first thing we noticed pretty quickly was that he was trying to simulate American football. And that was almost the first thing to go because that's really quite hard to do. It's a very specific game involving physical people in motion and right. coordination or, or lack of coordination against each other, trying to get all those players in motion every move. Very, very tricky to do. So the simplification kicked in. But then also the violence kicked in pretty quickly as well. Uh, I think it was always going to be a battle game. And I think it was pretty much always going to be called Blood Bowl, certainly from when I knew it. Um, and that, uh, that helped give it a real spirit because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't uh, just going to be a friendly, a friendly sports game. It was going to be a fantasy game. And when you've got fantasy, you've got warriors and magic and the different yeah. uh, amazing Tolkien-esque races. And they were obviously going to bring different characteristics. And the violence was there pretty much from the off. And I know there is... was, as I say, there was definitely um, a lot of predecessor football-type games that came out that were very stat-heavy. They had miniatures. And I know I've seen, I even have some of those old, old miniatures from like the 70s and early, early 80s for other games. And mm -hmm. I've, I've looked at those rules and they are just so incomprehensible because they are trying to recreate football and you just can't oh, do that. simulations. Yeah. And there was a whole range, wasn't there? Avalon Hill did yeah. of sports simulations where they tried so hard to make 
you know, ice hockey or curling or uh, yeah, <laughs> pro celebrity or golf. I, I played a baseball one game. back in the day. Uh-huh. We we bought a baseball one. Yeah. And you mm. you could play it at like this introduction rules. We never made it past introduction rules because it was so stat heavy and deep and mathematic. And it was just like we're in junior high. We can't figure this out. But yeah, definitely yeah, when you when, games. when you change it from that to fantasy and just go hog wild on it, it makes it a much more fun experience. Very much so. And uh, I think a lot of the efforts in the early days, and actually the continued into second and third edition, were about keeping the speed up, making sure that both players were moving as quickly as possible and that the game wasn't static. You weren't just, it wasn't like chess where you're pushing players up the board one piece at a time. And there, was, there were periods in the early development where it was a bit too much like that. So finding ways to move multiple players, multiple distances, to get plays together, to get set pieces together. And so on, kicked in pretty quickly, as, as I recall. And then in the middle of this, um, Citadel bought Games Workshop. Stephen Ian had uh, given it their all. Uh, they'd brought it up from absolutely nothing. And I should mention, actually, if anyone's interested in the very early days of London Games Workshop, there is a book being put together about those early years through a company called Unbound, which is like a Kickstarter for books that Stephen Ian are, are writing and assembling at the moment. Well, and that's cool. going to be full of memories from their very earliest days, living in a van um, because there wasn't room to sleep in the office that they ran Games Workshop from. Jeez. But they'd been booted out of their flat for selling games when they, they <laughs> their landlord didn't like people turning up, you know, trying to trying to buy D&D sets in the early hours of the morning <laughs> or whatever. Wow, um, that's cool. That, but check that out if, if anyone's interested, say, through unbound.com. If you just search on Steve Jackson and Livingston or Games Workshop, I'm sure you'll find it. That's being prepared for publication next year. But uh, they'd, as I we referred to earlier, they'd funded Citadel. Citadel had grown uh, very strongly. Role-playing games were very much at a at a peak for, for their level but they'd slightly <clears throat> they'd slightly plateaued out in the uk um with british editions of uh, things like runequest and the early edition of call of cthulhu and so on there was plenty of pickup but it wasn't growing when all of us were buying the next game and the next game but the move back to toy soldiers to be honest you need quite a lot of toy soldiers to to play a decent war game even at the skirmish level of the early warhammer sets and uh, that hadn't really been approached with the same uh, nicely designed, very pretty, very well sculpted uh, approach that role play games were already getting uh, in, the, in, their, in their print standards. So, but I say the main thing with war games is you need quite a lot of minis. So the, the money involved to invest in these things was also making that side of the business more profitable than RPGs. And uh, in the end, Stephen Ian sold up to Brian Ansell and his lovely team up in uh, Nottingham. And uh, I was one of the few who relocated up. Uh, myself, Jervis, guy called Colin, who uh, ran mail order for many years, and Lindsay, uh, uh, Lindsay Ledoux Patton, who uh, became Lindsay Priestley, uh, married to Rick Priestley, the Warhammer creator in due course, and was one of my editors at Black Library for uh, a long, long time, only recently retired. Um, and Jervis moved up with sales still. He was still in the sales team. And uh, I think partially because we were some way from home, we, we budded up. Uh, we were working out of the same building. And uh, he moved over to, to game development fairly quickly, uh, as I understand it. Though Those early days are a bit of a blur, finding yourself in a new city. 
I'd recently split up from a love of my life and had decamped back up north. Nottingham is close to where my family are from in uh, Derbyshire. And it was all a massive seismic change for all of us. And uh, Jervis and I ended up living fairly close by, working all day, going to the pub, eating a meal, going to the pub, or back to each other's flats, talk about games or play games or watch American football or potter away <laughs> on, uh, on prototypes or whatever. So it was a, a bit of a hothouse thing going on. Sounds like a good time. It wasn't too bad. That I fell out fairly quickly with some of the, the Nottingham crew because I'm a, I may have said I'm a bit of a sarky, punky type. <laughs> and uh, I had, I was a certain way down the road of uh, graphic design and production standards. And uh, the guys up in Nottingham were, were still learning, frankly. I, I taught some people how to use the Linotronic machines and they then trained folks who eventually became the everyday typesetters on the games and the first properly typeset second edition of Warhammer and uh, ultimately 40K and Warhammer Fancy Roleplay and White Dwarf Magazine and so on and so forth. And that was a, a bit of a fraught time. But I, I didn't shut my mouth and just let them get on with it. I, uh, I was quite critical of their, uh, their attempts. You which were opinionated really... and some people just don't like that. Well, indeed, I was a little git, I'm sure. Um, and some of that energy could be harnessed. But uh, if it's disruptive, then then obviously not so much. But for a time, you know, I was uh, I was piecing together various board games. I was working with a guy called Steve Hand, who'd come with a whole bunch of ideas, chiefly one for a, um, a game featuring various uh, Doctor Whos from, derived from the Five Doctors special episode, uh, where they all try and venture into the tomb of Rassilon and they have to work together to solve a problem. One of the very earliest cooperative games that years and years and years later came out as, uh, I think, Curse of the Mummy's Tomb under a totally different uh, background. <laughs> wow. But he had a solo game called uh, Chainsaw Warrior that I worked with him to develop that uh, was a solo game featuring a guy armed with a chainsaw uh, which uh, I, I, I think pretty much, pretty much started the whole love affair between Citadel and chainsaws and chain swords and chain this and chain that. Um, and it's a solo game about venturing into a, uh, a catacombs beneath a uh, possessed tower block in New York that had been taken over by basically <laughs> zombies and mutant Nazis well, well before uh, Wolfenstein or Doom uh, came huh. along. And, uh, kind of like a reverse Judge Dredd. Instead of going up, you're going down. Similarly. And we packaged it actually featuring art from the late Brett Ewins, who was one of the Judge Dredd artists we'd worked with. Oh, okay. And indeed, uh, one of the things we thought we'd do is to explain the background. Is uh, I wrote a little comic strip that Brett illustrated that we put in as a booklet with the main rules. It even had a uh, fake Charles Atlas kick sand in your face advert on the back. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, Citadel miniatures. So if you buy loads of Citadel miniatures, all the girls on the beach are going to love you. Uh, you know, how ironic that is. But, uh, but again, I couldn't stop myself from putting in these extra details uh, to, uh, to explain the richness of the background, even though, frankly, it was a, you know, it was a mechanism where, bad guys are shuffled into a card deck and they hit you at random as you go through this this laid out maze um i, I vaguely remember this because as a kid i just remember some of the imagery i don't know if i saw the game if i saw the comic if i saw an open copy but i do remember chainsaw warrior and just like i mean when you're young it's amazing stuff like it, it hits the spot for like 11 12 year old kid oh sure Very much. i mean it's recently been out again as an app uh, because it's effectively 
lays out a random dungeon from a bunch of pre-selected elements. It's quite easy to run through an HTML uh, type uh, type system, That's and cool. has been out as a decent app. And I know uh, from talking with Steve, I think he's been uh, I think he's been working up a new edition just just to get out there again. But uh, I uh, I forget exactly what he said. Uh, this time last year when we were speaking, but uh, but he was around doing stuff. We also had a, an influx of uh, of folks from TSR UK. TSR, the uh, Dungeons and Dragons folks, pre Wizards of the Coast, mm-hmm. had set up a UK end, um, thus putting paid to GW being there, a UK distributor for, and printer for all things Games Workshop, uh, all things D and D rather, in the UK, um, and that had lasted about a year. Uh, but then uh, a bit of a retrenchment over in the States meant that those guys came free. So they all joined and they were all pottering away. Uh, well, on pottering, they were working their socks off, <laughs> um, starting what was going to become Worm, a fantasy role play and, uh, and maintain a program of um, British prints of a bunch of Chaosium games. And uh, I was over there in the board game side. And uh, one of the key projects right from the moment we arrived was Bloodbot. But it was um, it was looked down on with some suspicion by by Brian, the the, the boss of uh, the New Games Workshop, and we we realised why he didn't have a television set, <laughs> which means he'd never seen American football. He was one of those guys who I I don't sit around watching telly. He, you know, he had a he had a an, an early VHS and a monitor, and he'd watch expensive movies the first first tapes you know 100 bucks each or whatever being flown into the country and he listened to his albums and he went out and so on and so forth but but he wasn't a tv watcher uh, which meant that he didn't understand at all what the hell we were talking about and why it was interesting uh, and obviously you know uh, he had to be persuaded but uh, it was seen a bit as a, a friday afternoon project as long as everything with things like uh, uh, White Dwarf and the early Warhammer editions and Talisman's new edition and so on were okay. Then, uh, then he was happy enough for it to proceed. And enough people were telling him that it was damn good fun. Um, I think the other thing was, I think he was a bit persuaded by the fact that there was multiple pieces. And we were already talking that early stage about miniatures. One of the things that uh, that obviously meant uh, the workshop didn't particularly pursue role-play games for too much longer was that you don't need a lot of miniatures whereas for all games you do as i mentioned earlier and board games similarly unless you're selling a lot of metal you're kind of selling them the one set and then you're having to go through the whole process again yeah and if you're stretched already trying to to maintain the london release schedule uh, the last thing you want to do is be making product that sells to three thousand or eight thousand or whatever people and then you have to do it all again but uh, with uh, with war games it's about a little drip feed of new minis every week or um, the uh, the kind of fantasy tribes approach where you had a series of base miniatures which each took different weapons or they all had different heads on the same body where you could customize your armies and so on. So I could see that uh, Blood Bowl at least offering the opportunities for different teams and featuring most of the fantasy races uh, was really not not to be sniffed at. And the other thing was the miniature designers really, really liked it. You'll see in the first edition that there are a lot of illustrations and I think all the referee symbols and so on by Ali Morrison, one of the uh, one of the best miniature designers of this or any generation. Yeah. And he just he just he loved American football on the telly and he totally understood where we we're coming from. And he's like, well, I'll do this. I'll do that. <sighs> and um, yeah, between us, we sat around him and I and worked up a whole bunch of um, 
referee symbols. He produced pages and pages of them, and we picked the best ones, particularly the stupid ones or the violent ones, because that was that was part of the fun. Um, but I'm perhaps getting ahead of myself in terms of the content of the game. But you can see already, we weren't just doing a game; we were introducing a world. Right. Uh, just with Chainsaw Warrior, and actually with Dread, when you're introducing a world, you try and surround it with uh, all sorts of interesting things that relate that world. What encouraged me, actually, was when I came to look at the first set of rules that Jervis was ready to hand over, he'd already asked uh, a good friend of his from the sales team, Stu Parkinson, to write the history of the Blood Bowl. And that turned up with the rules. And it was like, well, this is great. This could be uh, you know, the introduction or the back cover of the rules or whatever it happens to be. But it's talking about how one, one dark and stormy night, the Blood Bowl is founded and the great armies clash. But instead of, uh, instead of fighting, they play the game and it's still violent and, and so on and so forth. And, uh, and how it got its name and so on. And this, I thought, well, you know, he's, he wasn't particularly a writer, but the, uh, the, the joie de vivre of, of what he was trying to convey uh, it was, was, was plain to see from this. And it just it said, right, no, this is the way to go. You, you need to couch this in terms of its own thing. So give it a world, give it a, a background that explains what the hell these guys are doing. And I think that was that was why well, I don't think anyone needed to give me permission, but that was all the nudge I needed. Right. Then to I wouldn't say go nuts in the game because it's it's plain that the examples of play are very much in keeping with the rules because you need examples of play and indeed you'll notice even the grid system we use allows for those sidebars but then actually those sidebars are kind of sitting there and i'm aware of we try we experimented with kind of collectible the equivalent of baseball cards but obviously for american football and they turned pretty quickly into the did you knows and once i knew that there was one of those on every page well again that was a red rag to a bull really wasn't it so <laughs> uh and then when people saw what i was doing they came in with their own as well and by the end, uh, yeah, there were three or four folks chipping in, particularly Ali. Those, those, did, did, those did you knows, did those did you knows were amazing. <laughs> I can't tell you enough how we saw this game called Blood Bowl. Our friends, you know, we talked our buddy into spending all his birthday money on it so we all could play it. And I'm telling <laughs> you, nothing is influence maybe a life more than because at the time we were into sports and we were into well, you were playing we, football too we were playing football we're in learning sports you know because it's all new to us and then we also are kind of these nerds who want to be in this fantasy stuff it was everything it was a sports role-playing game we loved it and those did you knows if you're the creator of those those were amazing, and thank you because it just so much. It was exciting just to turn the page and see another one, and it really did. In not just the rules, it does give you the whole world concept. You know, you got team names that you'll never see again, and it it makes you feel like you're in that universe rather than just a one-off game. Exactly, very much so. And there were deliberate things like we talk about some of the lesser leagues, a halfling from one of the obscure leagues, and like, oh, what? You mean there's more leagues? What? There's an entire and there's exactly. halflings and there's this and there's that. There were things in the did you knows that we thought, yeah, maybe these will turn up in an expansion set, or yeah, we'll we'll do a companion, or we'll do some some extra rules for this game or that rule or, or the, that way of running a league or whatever. But a lot of it was sketched in with these tiny little pinpoints, and you guys could could fill in the gaps and assume so much based on the fact that it is obviously a. A, in no way disguised satire on the NFL and, and so on and so forth. Right. And uh, and take it and run with it. 
of course, by by the time we got to second edition, there was already some discussion about, hold on, guys, is this the Warhammer world? Because you've got Chaos Warriors and you've got this and you've got that. And there was some flirting with it. And I know it went in and then went out and so on and so forth. But we certainly in the early days were assuming that, no, it wasn't. But it was, frankly, everything was fair game to to be seen through the distorted mirror of uh, of Blood Bowl, hmm. whether it was... Uh, yeah, and the, the, one of my favourite ones is when they try and summon a, a coach from a, from another dimension to give them an advantage, and a motor coach, you know, flattens the team, <laughs> and and they're all dead, of course, and so because they have to die, it's ultraviolence. Um, but that immediately implies, okay, so the twentieth century and uh, the real our dimension exists, yeah. and they are there. So who are Jim, Jim and Bob commenting to? And how are people seeing this? And so, and so we thought, okay, well, they have to be looking at them through magic crystals and crystal balls and scrying ponds and so on and so forth. And by the, by the second edition, there's then a, a demon camera conveying what they're doing through uh, through magic visions and and so on and so forth. But uh, and then uh, you know after that, pretty much they they turned into the the two headed beast that we know and love these days. But uh, <laughs> uh, all those things and that you know things like Jim and Bob was simply derived from hearing the the classic banter of a, of, a, of a, a U.S. football game, where it was, as you know, Bob, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and of course, where it was, again, low-hanging fruit to make those guys all our examples of play. But so- the moment you do that, again, you, you're, you're there watching a real American football game through this lens of, of the fantasy. Yeah, it, it's so interesting to see the original Bob and Jim, too, where they're just two of the exact same guys just talking back yep. and forth to each other. We were never sure where they were or where they were from. We we deliberately didn't decide, and I think we looked at it for a while, as to whether they were from our dimension, uh, just happened to be tuning in on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, and here here's a wacky league from the, the 12th dimension of hell kind of stuff. Uh, or whether they were you know, whether they were local, but for some unknown reason. Though perhaps they were part of a priest cult that wore you know, sports jackets and garish ties and oh, slightly too amazing. large lapels and so on. We and we deliberately didn't pin them down, and then yeah, things oh. change, and uh, they acquired their own personality over time. That would be and that, obviously I de- I developed a lot of stuff on this, but we mustn't forget that Blood Bowl, the moment it came out, and people were adding their own versions to it, variant teams, naming their own teams, naming their own star players. It it pretty quickly became everyone's, and and so that has continued. Yeah, as I say. That is really what drives everything. As Scott says, it's a role-playing game. That's how we've grown our love for it. You know, our teams that we create are right alongside the official teams in our heads. Just different divisions, different, you know, you know areas and all that. So, Well, how splendid. Well, of course, the next thing that happened after first edition, we did, you know, we dabbled with, uh, I think, Death Zone was the, was the supplement, which was very much more right. of the same. And bits we couldn't squeeze into the game or bits we thought, well, we're not sure that's quite a good idea, or perhaps the perhaps the the movement rule needs a bit more playtesting before before we get to the next lot. But it was it was commonplace at that time to get you know as much into the main game and then a nice supplement uh, six months or a year later. But then by the time the second edition came out, we'd uh, we'd met my next door neighbour, who uh, bizarrely I <laughs> had lived next door to for a couple of years, who was one. Uh, Pete Nifton, uh, artist in residence. Oh man, I didn't know. Uh, you, I didn't know you know Pete. I mean, well, I should have. I should have assumed, but like officially, I didn't know that you and Pete were buddies. Well, very, very much so. And in, as I say, we were next door neighbours, and uh, we both lived in a uh, 
a um, not too shabby, but a project right in the centre of Nottingham above the main shopping mall. To the so above that you, know, you can get in the lift and you can be in, yeah, we, you know, the food store within thirty seconds, still wearing just your socks or whatever. Um, and uh, it was a wonderful. We there were us two uh, side by side. Across the way was a, uh, a, a notorious local Nottingham speed metal band called Heresy, uh, and they were often always Japanese guys clutching in instruments, piling in to sleep on their floor. And the Tuesday afternoons when they did band rehearsal, the sound pressure was extraordinary. Um, and various other creative types around and being right in the centre of town. We were, I think I worked out, I was about 85 seconds door to door between my place and the Games Workshop studio. Jeez. So uh, I'd, I'd set the alarm for about five to nine and I'd still make it in <laughs> uh, some morning. So uh, perhaps not showered or hairbrushed as I should have been. But uh, hey, that all leads to the punky reputation continuing. But uh, meeting Pete, who by the second edition, is a f- fabulous cartoonist and caricaturist, a background in everything. Uh, if you follow his, uh, you know, his Facebook particularly, he's he's an absolute fount of knowledge of everything in pop culture. From, well, from pop culture was first recognised. Everything, pop culture, yes. Particularly majoring on golden and silver age comics, Doctor Who, sci-fi books, pulp and, magazines. Uh, yeah, we've both had Pete stay with us for a week at Eats ah, House, really? and we've had many, many, <laughs> many great conversations i mean the guy is a history book of like so many behind the scenes stories of mm-hmm. artists and things like this and it's it's pretty awesome so very much so and he was already massively knowledgeable as as was i so a meeting of minds the moment we met and him and him and karen his his, his late wife uh, uh living next door they would watch mad max 2 uh, the Road Warrior, every single night. <laughs> um, that sounds about and right. That was, that was how they lived. And I, the first day I met them, I was wearing a T-shirt that just said Schwarzenegger versus Rokotansky in massive letters <laughs> down the back, uh, which was a, a band merchandise for a local uh, industrial band. And he was like, oh, my God, you're one of us. Come step this way, dear boy. <laughs> and, uh, and that was it. In fact, we went to the pub for an editorial meet with one of the GW editors. Uh, and uh, and that was it. And you know, then of course, that's when you have to be careful when you're the game's editor or whatever. Which uh, um, because when your creatives start going to the pub without your knowledge and then turning up, going, oh, we've invented this and we've created <laughs> that and we've changed this. But that's where things like the Auckland uh, Raiders came from, and uh, many of the other names, uh, things like Bloodvisor, which is one of Pete's. And he's a great bugger for just writing brand names on the everything. Pogo stick so of doom. Stupid little gags in the corners, a bit like an old spy versus spy in the margins in Mad Magazine. Mm-hmm. He will cover stuff if you leave him to his own devices with stupid, stupid jokes. <laughs> and Blood Bowl was, was a far better output. He was also drawing Warhammer 40k things, but he's doing the same thing there. And they didn't appreciate Daffy Duck references in the Grim Darkness, <laughs> the 41st <laughs> millennium. So, uh, so it all pretty much ended up in the Blood Bowl. And uh, yeah, we would we would be in the pub every other night, and and Jervis uh, only lived uh, a few streets up the hill as well at that time. So uh, it was an absolute hot house of people just without care responsibilities being paid to create silly stuff that was in keeping. As long as it was in keeping and made us laugh, 
that it was in. And of course, yeah, various bits of it got cut out or adjusted. Sure. And uh, it had to be appropriate. And I'm sure some of the ideas we came in with weren't. <laughs> um, though they tended to be more on the on the 40k side or whatever, rather than on the or on the just red side, rather than on the blood bowl, because blood bowl was somewhere where you kind of understood where the boundaries were, and then anything went anyway. And out of this, of course, yeah, was some discussion post the uh, the Chainsaw Warrior comic strip about doing a Blood Bowl comic strip, which I must admit I'd totally forgot now about till Pete found uh, one of my original uh, printouts from the old Amstrad word yep. processors we used in the mid-'80s. And uh, yeah, I, I obviously got a scan of that. He actually and that sent it to me, and I scanned it and oh, sent it to you. Oh, that's right. I guess I should have known this. I'm like, Holy hell, this is yeah. I wrote this yeah. twenty five years ago, whatever. What the hell? That was a total Madeline moment where you have various lives flash past my brain. It's like I I think I do remember this, though I'm still not entirely sure I did write it. <laughs> but I but I recognise the handwriting because I'd drawn little vague suggested layouts yep. on it. And already you can tell I don't know what I'm doing because I think one of them's got fourteen panels on or whatever. <laughs> but uh yeah, first proper full length comic strip I ever did. And of course it was never commissioned or whatever though. Some years later, uh, they didn't manage to get uh, a really quite groovy Blood Bowl comic out through. Was it Boom Studios did that? Oh, they had uh, a couple, obviously, yeah. later in my career, we we did Blood Bowl novels with Matt Forbeck, the wonderful mm. game writer and novelist, working on those. But uh, but sitting back then, we just plotted away all these crazy things. Some of which were going to happen, some of which weren't. But it didn't matter because it was all good fun. And yeah, it was quarter to three, and we'd been in the pub for, for some hours. And now we were sitting, and <laughs> Mad Max Two had finished for the night. And now, uh, whatever loud records we were, we were listening to were kicking in, and so on, and, uh, and off we went. Hawkwind. <laughs> oh well, don't talk to me about Hawkwind. I saw them uh, on Friday night. 50th anniversary tour 50 years of the guys would you believe it wow that's i know pete's a big hawkwind guy so you know we're a big fan obviously uh, close to uh, to mike moorcock as well and uh he'd, he'd met lemmy a few times oh nice whereas uh, nick turner of hawkwind went to the same school as myself down in kent growing up but uh, but we never met but uh, yeah pete pete loves his hawkwind and i i just can't get into it i don't know <laughs> Well, I'm I'm going to cut this call short now. I'm so almost terribly sorry, but uh, thanks for thanks that's for talking okay. to me. No, <laughs> it, you know, it's just different uh, different uh, things. <laughs> that's cool, dude. Yeah, you like your Mariah Carey records. We like no. our records. Oh my no, gosh! No, no. <laughs> don't the, joke like that with Christmas coming up. Yeah, I was trying to say <laughs> nothing. I love true. Christmas music until a Mariah Carey version of whatever uh, plays, and I want to just gouge my away. eyes out. Yeah. Yeah, this is something Pete will tell you that every year I give all my friends a Christmas mixtape, and this year is year thirty-three of absolute oral torture. Wow! So I don't put any good ones on. That's cool. I like that idea. But yeah. isn't it amazing? Yeah, we're still all around. Jervis is a few streets away. Uh, Pete, we talk to regularly. He's just across town, and we're we're still all here, and we're still all doing it. We've been our separate ways, but uh, getting back together, and it's wonderful that uh, folks like you guys are able to. Uh, to tap up, uh, uh, particularly Jervis and Pete, put so much into it. Well, yeah, and, I mean, uh, it, it really yeah, does. It really does sound like Jervis had the game, and he had that fleshed out pretty well. You added a lot of what we fell in love, which was the fluff and the universe and the feeling like you know, just because the game book has ten teams, doesn't mean there's not four hundred and fifty-five teams out there, and your team can be one of them as well. 
it's a real thing so it allows us to feel a part ownership of the game and just makes the whole experience better well that's great to see i have to say even now seeing uh seeing uh, pictures from your tournaments and the the insane things that happen in Luca in Italy with the entire stadiums built in 28 millimeter. Oh, yeah. Just crazy, crazy great stuff. An absolute tribute to yeah. to what we all created back in the day and uh, obviously it's still thriving. Yeah, just just came back from World Cup um, in Dornburn, uh-huh. Austria, and there was over 1,400 of us playing. Oh, my goodness. Well, what I think, what's funny is, is like I always say the Blood Bowl crowd is different uh, I don't know if you played any recent Blood Bowl, but it's a pretty cruel game in the fact that, like, at any point your turn can be over. We all sit around and curse the dice. We oh. get mad even when we win. And then we go and enjoy each other's company. And it sounds like the same thing was we're reflecting something that was done 30 years ago when y'all were creating it. You're mm-hmm. going to the pub, hanging out with your friends making silly jokes, making silly things real. We're doing the same thing. We're still, at least some of us, still role-play this. We make silly names and give characters nicknames. And I mean, me and Steve go as far as like, I need to do this action, but it's this character, and he's terrible. <laughs> he's on the team because he survives. But yes. Every time I roll with this guy, he rolls terrible. I'm not going to pick up the ball with this guy or whatever. But again, we win tournaments, we play games, we get mad, we say we hate the game, and then here we are, we, we do a podcast, back. we do another tournament, we can't wait Damn to up. see our friends. So it's about fellowship and community, and I think the Blood Bowl community, we go to these big tournaments for a plastic trophy, and just oh, yeah. to be there with people. And the fact, again, 1,400-some people drinks out the wazoo drunk people all over the place there's no fighting well there's almost a fight but there's no real fighting no i've never there's seen no... like really bad venom no so well, your family you'll yeah you'll you'll bitch worse than anyone but uh, <laughs> you'll love better than anyone exactly <laughs> exactly community somehow yeah it's really great actually so i mean you're it you're, what you're you were saying there about people being able to invent their own teams that was in right from the start we wanted people to do that mm-hmm. but the moment you realize you can do it actually it's not hard to come up you know with the stuff we were doing we just did it first but uh, but every everyone has that ability to make these jokes and these puns and think up uh, their own version of the did you knows and you know many many people uh, across the creative team since for the for the more recent editions have done exactly what we did, yeah. We did it first, and we, uh, I think we, we cottoned onto something that worked. But uh, I think it's everyone's game, and uh, the living wall system is is a testament to that. But also the background and the ability of everyone to have their own very personalised team. And as you say, you play it enough, and every single miniature and player on that table is uh, has got a personality, and that's yep. the sucker who only ever rolls snake eyes, and that's the one who <laughs> does the Hail Marys at the end of every game somehow, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, of course. Absolutely. And that's where real stories and real games thrive. Well, you guys did a great job, and just uh, thank you very much. <laughs> um, well, I, so before we let you go, I mean, you did eventually leave GW, and then – what did you do after that? <laughs> I was I was asked to go. <laughs> okay, um, trying to be nice. My, about uh, it. my punky demeanour was no longer uh, welcome, and then I I did an awful lot of freelance work across the next few years, uh, because um, yeah they I think uh, yeah they didn't have to have me in the building, but obviously they like my talents, and 
Then I went away and ran fighting fantasy game books for Stephen Ian for, for 10 years and wrote a lot of role play stuff called Cthulhu, Shadowrun, Earthdawn, Paranoia, a whole bunch of other things. I worked in uh, regular kids books and licensed properties. I've worked on some Sonic the Hedgehog game books and novels, which I would say that some of the novels are the best things I've ever worked on. Because huh. uh, there's, there's ways of hiding very adult jokes inside books aimed at nine-year-olds <laughs> you wouldn't believe. Um, and then returned to Games Workshop in 97 to set up uh, the Black Library, the guy called Andy Jones, who was the head of special projects at the time, created Warhammer Quest, a bunch of other amazing and sometimes insane projects over the years. Warhammer Records, anyone. Um, <laughs> and we took that from the two of us in a, in a little office right next to where they were casting lead up in Eastwood in the Citadel factory to the massive publishing behemoth that it is 20 plus years later. And uh, I left there 10 years ago. And actually, as of this year, I'm now back working with Andy Jones for another games company. I now work for Asmodee, setting up a brand new publishing imprint, doing not dissimilar to what Black Library did and indeed what Blood Bowl does, which is adding flesh to worlds, in this case, as with some of the Black Library projects, uh, to uh, to create books and novels based on game worlds, in this case for, for Asmodee, uh, under an imprint called Aconite that will be launching next May. Uh, we're taking our time getting these things right. right. But actually, as of tomorrow, uh, today being the uh, whatever it is, uh, <laughs> 25th of November, as of tomorrow, we're announcing the first slate of books. Well, it's awesome. Uh, Asmo Day, man, they're taking over the gaming industry, aren't they? No, not in the slightest. It's, uh, <laughs> what they, they distribute, uh, they have 17 studios, but they're, uh, they're smaller than Hasbro, yeah. slightly larger than Games Workshop. That's all well, I'm saying. Well, they do really great stuff as a guy who collects board games and buys board games and plays board games. They're, they've they been in the news a lot the last couple of years. So, yeah. I mean, everybody, <laughs> everybody knows them. Not the only ones. The, the whole board gaming renaissance is absolute music to my ears. I'm very much a... A board gamer more than anything, I think, even more than than toy soldiers and and more than role playing, which is perhaps what got me into this. But so, do you still do you still play board games? Oh yeah, well we play in the office every Friday. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, not you... that, not just Asthma Day stuff. And we started yet. If we're going to do books based on Arkham Horror, you need to understand the ins and outs of that's what cool. makes it singularly exciting. Uh, and it's always that moment when someone someone rolls a bunch of wands and pulls the wrong card, and suddenly Azathoth bursts bursts out of the pub and starts attacking everyone, and it's lost. And you're on game you know, game turn four of eighteen or whatever, uh, <laughs> and you try you're trying to push Elder Gods back down sewers, <laughs> great speed. Um, one of the one of the great games. So, but I was a long term Call of Cthulhu fan. I used to run White Dwarfs Call of Cthulhu expert column featuring the new rules for the game. Yeah, so it's one of the uh, one of the UK experts for a long time. Uh, but yes, totally. Um, don't always have time, but then I have two teenage children, so of course board games is is a great gateway drug for that as well. I, I love hearing that, so that's awesome. I'm glad to hear. Every now and then you hear about people who used to be gamers don't feel like they have time anymore and stuff like that. I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're still gaming, so that's awesome. Well, I think the board game renaissance is really happening. I think it's... It's being talked about everywhere now, particularly in the USA. The UK is always two or three years behind on, I guess, pop culture and sci-fi subjects particularly, but but we're getting it now. So there's a lot of think pieces about, hey, it's the thing everyone does. You go to each other's house and you don't just look at the children and talk about house prices and the state of the nation. It's you get out Carcassonne or Pandemic or a Ticket to Ride or whichever. All of those, of course, amazing Asmodee games available for local retailers. Uh, <laughs> but uh, whatever you're playing, if you're playing games, then you're, you're, you're on our side. And uh, 
we won a long time ago. You know, geeks have already inherited the earth. Uh, <laughs> really? Uh, oh, totally. He, uh, yeah, well, just because some guy can bench press something. Well, well, he's he's so busy in the gym, he never reads a book or sees <laughs> movies. He's no idea. And you tell you what, you talk about geeks. If you've ever been stuck in an elevator with a guy who can tell you what the, you know, the 1983 second division uh, squad for the losing team in whichever FA Cup final or Super Bowl uh, that year was. That's what true geekdom is, and that oh, really yeah. is quite. But uh, I love yeah, seeing those guys that interesting. I love seeing those guys that are you know big jocks and like I can't believe you nerds and your games and I'm like okay well who played first base for the Boston Red Sox in '84? Dude, how would you not know that? I know everything. It's like uh huh okay right exactly. But you know what our next mission is, Steve? Our next mission is to realize that these guys are our brothers and it's the people who don't know anything. I find that, that, I find that we, should, we should worry about. Nowadays, if you can get in and introduce people to games, they go, wow, this is totally different than what I thought it would be. Of course. And then they, they fall in love with the hobby. I've introduced a lot of people at work who thinks I'm, you know, oh, you play board games like Monopoly? And then I'm, we have that discussion of no. And, and then... <laughs> Then they think it's silly because it's not a video game, and then they get interested, and then they get a taste, and the next thing you know, they're going coming to work saying like, "So my wife's mad at me because I bought into this <laughs> Kickstarter, but we really needed this game," and blah blah blah. <laughs> and the wives are into it too. Let's let's uh, we don't, it's not all boys thing. Yeah. anymore. And the best gamers ever are always women because they're far more devious. And while we're too busy showing off to our friends, they're finding a way to stab us in the back. <laughs> oh, that's maybe true. I better not say too much. My wife might be listening. I guess we'll go ahead and call it quits. And thank you for joining us. And it's really great to talk to you and actually know more about the beginnings of what we've come to love as Blood Bowl. Yeah, we, I, I feel like I've learned a lot, actually, today. Stuff I didn't know. <laughs> So I'm terribly sorry to hear that, but thank you very much. <laughs> no, 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 no. It was great. So thank you very much for coming on the podcast. And um, if anytime you want to come back and promote anything you're doing or whatever, or just chat, let us know. Oh, thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Welcome to the 2019 Downey Awards. Do, 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 Downies. Did Siggy Llama name him the Downies? I think so. He needs to make a theme song for this. He does. Does he still listen? I don't know. Siggy, if you still listen. I don't think he listen, does. I think he's been busy with work. I know, and he has other podcasts and stuff. So. Yeah. He's a busy man. Siggy Llama of the You Washed It Wrong podcast. Or and the- Chaos Cup Champion. I know. And the former Ziggy Llama podcast show or whatever it was. Yeah. The Ziggy Llama show. I loved his old painting and just talking. (laughs) Those were so intimate. it was. And I'd listen to those several, several, several times. So it's like. Until he started freaking out about like music copyrights. Yeah. And he kind of changed the music. Yeah, there's no need for that. I kind of like listening to what other people No one's going to bust you. All right. Are you ready for these, Steve? Sure. I I need to put a big asterisk on mine saying, I hardly went to any tournaments last year, and I just now realized it when I was filling out this sheet of paper. Yeah. I'm terrible. Oh, you know what? We forgot to mention. Um, I guess this is as good a place as any before I forget. The Citadel ran another tournament, because I went to the Citadel one last year. 
Right. And I remember looking, you know, I remember I'm like, I think it was in December or January. So that kind of fits with the I, theme of, cause we talk about yeah. where we go and turn into play. But, um, I remember looking on the website because they always said it's on the calendar. I was like, you guys need to promote stuff. And I looked, it wasn't on the calendar. And then this last Monday, they put it up and said, hey, we have a tournament this Saturday. I was like, dude, give us some notice. So there may not have been anybody that went to that tournament because they gave it like five days notice. And somewhere they're going like, this is why we don't carry Blood Bowl because nobody cares. It just annoyed me because I tried to go. I really wanted to. But you did try, but we couldn't make it. And I think you were going to go with Hess, and then he yeah. dropped out the last second too. So. And it was before I got paid, so I was like, yeah, I don't know. We don't have to discuss it here, but it really upset me that I don't understand why it's not NAF. But then you explained like if GW events or NAF events, and they basically show them that they're the ruling class or something. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, there's a conflict of interest there for whatever reason. Could be. Uh, it's just speculation. There's oh. no real... Re- oh, okay. This Mostly, is it's because I'm guessing the people running it have no idea that the NAF exists. And I, I they bet. don't want to put the time and effort into doing it. See, that's what I think, too. I think they yeah. just didn't know and they don't and kinda, They don't really care. I've told them many, many, many times since they opened and even before they opened, I'm like, contact me. And I will gladly run a tournament for you. Yeah. You don't need anyone there. We'll set it up. All yeah. you have to do is provide the space. Nope. And you can take all the credit. So Warhammer Citadel for all your Blood Bowl needs in, in America. In Grapevine. In this Grapevine. is the Grapevine one. Yep. So maybe they're not all like that. So, All right, Steve. Let's go through this again. I only went to five tournaments last year. How many did you go to? Do you know? I did not count. Well, you went to the big one, so it doesn't. Yeah. You went to at least five if I went to five. Yeah. So you went to at least six because... Chaos Cup, World Cup. Oh, you went to at least seven then. Um, well, you went to more. The Citadel. Oh, was that still? Yeah. Oh, okay. You know what? I should check my list instead of that. I went to seven. Well, seven? Seven not including the Citadel one? Did I not? No, I put that in here. Did you put Mystery Bowl? I was in December of last year. Oh, okay. You didn't play at Oklahoma or Spiky? Yeah, I didn't play at Oklahoma or Spiky. Oh, that's the difference. So that'd be okay. why. All right. So, wow. You have cut back too, my friend. Although you went to one big, yeah. <laughs> giant one for. I was going to say, I think that makes up for it. I mean, it kind of makes up for like at least two tournaments, if not yeah. almost three. So It was nine games. So I know for the longest time, like, I was way ahead of you on games played in mm-hmm. the NAF, and then you went to like Chaos Cup for six. World Cup for nine, and I think you're ahead of me now. Yeah, or, or yeah I think really I am. Close. It was like 15 right there. Bam. I know. That's a big uh, big gap made up really quick. So, so uh, first one, top two tournament trips we went on. This one's easy for me. Uh, duh. World Cup and Chicago this year. Uh, mine is the, <laughs> by default, <laughs> this is one of those trickle-down effects because. Share the wealth. I mean, two of the tournaments I played at, we hosted. Yeah. And then two of the tournaments I went to was in the one same place. We stayed for two days. So, through the trickle-down effect, my top two (laughs) tournament trips we went on was to Iowa, Cedar Cedar Rapids or whatever, and then to Lubbock, Texas for Matador Melee. 
the the matador melee was pretty awesome that was a fun trip despite the hotel and and it's traveling through the desert that's still fun no i know there's nothing there i like to bring that up because dustin parsons swears that as soon as you cross the border to get into oklahoma the sky turns magically gray all of a sudden Mm -hmm. and it's like bro it's the same sky yeah but he wants to argue with me sure makes sense um next up Top two tournament themes at tournaments we went to. Uh, I mean, again, Triple Down, I guess, because Matador Melee and Mystery Bowl. It's like the only two that actually had themes besides Nuffleween, but Yeah, do you play Nuffleween? Yeah. Okay. Mine are Matador Melee and the Nuffleween tournament, because I still lo- I, th- I love our theme. I love the theme of things being taken away and then superstars being able to like get into play with other teams. So. And has nothing to do with you making the theme this year. Oh, I forgot I even made the theme. <laughs> I totally forgot that, to be honest sure with you. Sure you did. I'm talking about like the lose the skill per round thing. Okay. That I love. I gotcha. I did not even think about the playing with different fields. Yeah. Oh, that was the theme. See, I, I based it on the legacy of Nuffleween of just losing a skill per round. Yeah. I, I love that. I forgot totally about the different fields. I did like that a lot. Well, like I, a I lot. I would hope so. Whoever did that was a genius. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, so top two tournaments not attended this year. And... Oh, boy. I don't know. I mean, I, I have to, again, say San Antonio. I uh, need to... Get freaking down there. I have that on there. I have this, the San Antonio area. It's Jay Pena and Simon Velez. Velez. Yeah, yeah. those guys. I want to go down and play one of their events. Um, it's just like just at the cusp of being far enough away. And that's annoying. And with, you know, the World Cup and job and everything, it's been rough. Yeah. Um, a big key to even me having a chance is hosting on a weekend where there's no children. Yeah. And coming up in shout outs, you're going to find out a tournament that I've been longing to return to is going to be on a weekend that I have my children. Yeah. So. I mean, it's a 50-50 shot. So. I know that. And I don't expect anybody to move their tournament for one person. So. No. Not a big deal. But um, I have Chaos Cup on here just because I thought I could put World Cup at first, and I was like, I got to be realistic. I was never planning on trying to go there. Mm-hmm. You know, like it wasn't feasible at the beginning of this year where Chaos Cup was, and yeah. then I chose not to go to Chaos Cup. So, Chaos Cup I missed, and um, any of the San Antonio events run by Jay Pena and Gang. Yeah, uh, aside from San Antonio, um, like there's a ton of tournaments that'd be fun to. I will. Really wanted to, I should have gone to Bilboa Bowl or whatever the one that Michael and Nate went to in Spain. Oh, because I could have. Was it Bill Bali? Bill Bali, something yeah, something like that. Okay, but um, I could have changed my flights. I could have you know spent more time, but since I didn't have that job lined up, I didn't really want to spend the extra money. Sure. If I did, I would have been you know all over it. Well, but, you probably would have done a little bit different things on that trip, yeah. knowing that, like, hey, when you come back, less than a month later, you're going to start a new job. Yeah, exactly. It'd be a big difference and not, oh, you're going to be out of a job for three months. Enjoy. 
Top two Blood Bowl things we acquired last year. Now, this doesn't mean they had to come out last year. Maybe it's something you've right. always wanted. Could be a item, I don't know, tournament trophy, uh, I'm maybe gonna, some dice. I don't know. I have kind of three things, but I'm going to lump two of them together. So one of them is I finally got figures painted by Axia. So oh, I got, got those are beautiful. I got all the first edition figures painted by Axia Painting, and they're just great. I love them. Stupid expensive, but they just look amazing. And I've always wanted something painted by him. And then Pete Nifton stuff. So of that, it's <laughs> you know obviously we had Pete out here, and he did art for us. I've got an amazing. Action Jackson custom figure that he did or figural that he did. And uh, he designed the logo for our Dust Devils team that we took to World Cup. So mm -hmm. we got dice towers and tokens and stuff made out of that and dice. and So just kind of in general, Pete Nifton stuff. Mine would be the picture drawn by Pete Nifton that has the three star players from my childhood right and from my buddy's childhood of Sears Mayfeather, Naylor Goldhart and Sabine Clipsper all together i love it i finally got it you know in the mail pete worked on it for a while i don't maybe had it done for a while but i finally <laughs> got it doesn't matter right um, it looks amazing it is um and I want to frame it and hang it, but it's like, I think I need a really good frame. And I haven't just went and bought an expensive frame and yeah. you know, had it mounted and all that stuff. But the fact that I have, <laughs> one, got to talk to Pete, got to meet Pete, had Pete in my house, have him, you In know, your bed. Oh, wait. Yeah, right. We we shared a moment. <laughs> it's just It just still blows my brain if I look at it from this perspective of, you know, ninth grade scott i know. You know that like i have this piece of artwork by this guy and it's really special and then it's this i don't know if this makes sense sometimes i forget pete the friend is also pete the artist mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah like, absolutely i almost take that for granted that like <laughs> or or maybe it's good i don't take you know i don't combine them you know what i'm saying like yeah don't treat him like really any different anymore because like he's my buddy. Mm -hmm. So it's just weird to have that piece of artwork. So that, that is a big thing that I've acquired. Um, also I got some black dice finally. Oh, wow. Look at and, you. Yeah. I think that was through help with you yeah. somehow. Yeah. Traded um, for the pinks for Sean. So that, you know, those are kind of cool. Cause I never thought I'd get some black dice. Yeah. So all I need is those weird, Awful looking purple, not awful uh, looking. Um, those off. oddball off purple ones that mm -hmm. nobody can find. But I should need those if anybody has those. You can make the list next year. Man, those are those are the rarest things out there. You have some, right? Yeah. Okay. Of course I do. Come on. I, I just like purple. That's why I want those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's uh, why I like those dark elf dice so much. So for you. So those are some things I you know I'm really happy to have. Yeah. Um. Some other honorable mentions here. I really like the custom trophies at Matador Melee this year, and I was happy to get one. Those were cool. Those look really awesome. I couldn't tell you the last time I got a trophy, so <laughs> it doesn't even come into play with me. I also really enjoyed the look of the... At first, I was so-so, but 
now that I've been messing around with them and stuff, I really like the Ogres mm-hmm. released by GW and the female Ogres, even though it makes no sense that we don't have a Birth of Big Fist. And there was this cool model that they released around Christmas time called the Red Gobo. It was a Warhammer yeah. goblin. Have you seen that? Yeah. Did you get one? I did get one. Oh, okay. My store, <laughs> I go, I know this is probably too late, but can you order this for me? And he just points over to the shelf and he goes, yeah, we ordered one in. And I'm <laughs> like, okay, I'll take it. Oh, that's cool. So I don't know what I'll use it for, but I love that model. I love those little Christmassy things. Yeah, that's so. pretty cool. So there you go. Those are my things I got with, you know, global okay. related things. Uh, what are the top two favorite podcast moments? Um, I think having Pete on, you know, to just reflect on his trip to That's the States one of mine. Yep. and Oklahoma mm-hmm. and, you know, just to chat with a buddy. I know this sounds like we're loving on Pete, but we love Pete. So, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's hard not to love the guy. And um, like you said, it's not just the fact that he's our friend, but it truly is Pete Nifton. You know, the reason we got into the game. For sure. You know, but. Back when you showed me Blood Bowl, it was the fluff I enjoyed, but then that art just drew me in, and that was all I knew. You know? Right. I mean, yeah, he just created a, he created the Blood Bowl universe. I yeah. Mean, and he just did. Whether people like that or not, it's the style and the fun that we like. Mm-hmm. And I think the only closest guy that gets close to that is Pedro Ramos. Yeah. In that same type of fun serious but fun you know Mm -hmm. vibe and that's not to take a a knock on any other blood bowl artists there's a lot of good blood bowl artists out there but to capture that essence is really hard to do yeah um it feels weird saying this but at the same time and see i'm about to get teary i think about it talking about our friend brian oh yeah um i love talking about dead friends that's great (laughs) you're right that's so fun not in that fact in the fact that I think we all needed that. Sure. And um, we've gotten a lot of good feedback and people really enjoyed it. Well, I think we needed it more than <laughs> more than anything. Just uh, it made us feel good to tell everybody about Brian. Yeah. And what a good person he was. And um, it helped us kind of, I think, move on some, mm-hmm. you know, because we got Alan in here and I think he kind of needed that too. Yeah. So it was definitely helpful. Um. For me, like I said, it was Pete Nifton and then actually the interviews on this show, the fact that... See, I didn't know if I wanted to count those because they weren't... We haven't listened to them yet. uh, That's that's the only reason I didn't include some of those. Okay, valid. Then I enjoyed recapping the World Cup. I don't know. I don't (laughs) have a second. That's okay. So, yeah, Brian... Those are always a hard thing because you got to kind of almost talk about yourself and you don't want to. Yeah. So. And it's hard also to remember too because, you know, it's a different process when we do them than when we listen. You know, I can remember Zlurpcast moments a lot easier than I can ours. For sure. Because we're listening to them versus making them. Right. That's just kind of weird. We went other places to enjoy listening. Mm-hmm. versus feeling forced to listen to ourselves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Top two personal achievements in Blood Bowl. Well, I got to go to the World Cup, so that's a big deal. 
And I actually had the fourth most touchdowns, and I could have scored more if I had known that was even going to be an option. Um, and then, honestly, getting Pete and the Swedes over to Oklahoma Bowl. That was amazing. The fact that we got him out here and, you know, Anders and Jonas decided to come and hang out. and Yeah, and you did it without telling me because you guys are all jerks. Yeah, I know. You, the fact that we were able Anders to. Anders and Jonas. We all worked jerks. on that for months and you, you were none the wiser. Yeah, you duped me. Yep. Betrayed. It was good. Betrayed. Um, we get to hang out with Core this year. I know. I know he's coming because he's a cool guy who like told me mm-hmm. he's so much better than <laughs> the Swedes. Well, you've heard that. <laughs> um, top two personal achievements. There was kind of like many things that like I could grab. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to tell you, I guess, kind of what I'm proud of. And then I can talk about the other ones. Um, so I played 200 games in the NAF last year. My went past 200 okay. games. That makes more sense. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, and you reached 200. For, yeah. For my personal sense, after the first 100, I looked at the stats and was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I was like, I wonder if I can improve. And I did in the second 100. Now, I don't have Brian two numbers or Matt Vanderbeek numbers, but for me, I improved. I had a few more ties, which is less losses. Not to take this away from anything, but didn't you play all the stunties in the first 100? Um, Goblins, halflings, ogres? Maybe. Okay. But I'm not 100% sure on that. I'm pretty sure. Okay. So what are Again, you saying? Again, not taking away from anything. Oh, you're saying that the numbers <laughs> could be messed up because of... You take out all my stunties and I have a pretty good record. That might that might be the case. I mean, there might have been... But that's, it's still that's good. interesting. It's still good. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't even think about that. But that's also a true reflection of your skill because stunties just... They're stunties. I yeah, mean, see, I don't know where that Chaos Cup where I played the Snotling team and stuff fall in. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good thing to think about. Um, another thing, I have been trying to play all the teams twice. Yeah. And even though I only went to five tournaments, good Lord, I hope I go to more tournaments this year because I have four left and I want to get them over with. And I'm sure I'm not going to concentrate on two or three teams like I keep telling myself that that's what I'm going to do. But mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll go like, I'm trying to play all of them three times. But it's it's very interesting to give teams a second chance because like there's many teams this this last year that i didn't want to play again and based off like maybe me playing better maybe lucky dice rolls who knows has made me second guess like oh maybe i do want to visit those teams in the future so that's cool um other just uh goofy achievements is that that stat Mike Davies came up with where like, Oh I'm, yeah, that was cool. I'm the number one player in the world when it comes to playing different races versus different teams or something crazy like that. And really all that means is I play a lot of different teams. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking the other day, I'm like, now that I've, you know, don't have to play elves all the time because of the world cup. Right. What do I want to go for? I was like, I could play any team I want or, I could try to fill out the grid. With one team? Just like, you know, look at the tournament and see like likely what teams are going to be there. And if I can't try to milk the system, 
Well, correct me if I'm wrong. Or just take corn and bretonian a lot and try to fill those out. <laughs> there you go. I was trying to say that might be the, the way to go. This, uh, it's just you have to play so many tournaments to even get close to that. Right. It's not worth it. But I kind of wanted to. Yeah, if you lived in England or something where there's yeah. a tournament two every hours week. away every weekend. Yeah, you just hop on a train, you're there, <laughs> come home. Right. Sure. Um, Freaking England. I, I don't really <laughs> want to say this, but I kind of want to say this just because, like, I might never get to say it again, but then I might regret it. But I was very happy that I beat Tim Lyons. I've played Tim Lyons oh, okay. and yeah. I, I beat him. That was like a personal achievement because never thought that was going to happen, you know? Yeah. I don't consider myself even close to that level of him. So sure. I appreciate him botching some dice rolls and, um, you know, thanks, Nuffle. <laughs> so. Next up, we have the top two Blood Bowl games of the year. This one was a little difficult. Okay. Well, I will go first then, and you can keep thinking. <laughs> no, I <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> um, my best game of the year, probably one of the best games I ever played, was against Siggy Llama at the top table of Chaos Cup. And I just was so annoyed that I miscounted somehow and he was able to it screwed up I screwed up like one big play and I know that really cost me but like the rest of the game I played really well I kept him on his toes you know I, at least I didn't get blown out so I was happy for that and I it was just a well fought game and then my last three games at World Cup I'm just going to lump those together because that whole day Everything was just hard fought, well placed, did a lot of good, you know, after six previous games, I kind of know what I'm doing now and everything just worked out well and they were, they were hard fought, but good games. Nice. Mine are, uh, I had a loss to Anders at Oklahoma Bowl with yeah. my Nurgle team. Uh, against his Dark Elves. I lost one to nothing, but it was one of those games where I did everything right, I felt like. Mm -hmm. um, I believe Anders would probably agree with that. And it was just a super crazy, tough game. I believe he scored like on near the last, end of, very end of the game. I mean, we both struggled. Not in the fact that, like, I think we were just outmatching each other on like, yeah. strategy wise and like, well, as long as he doesn't do this, oh, well, he just did this. And now, you know, my back's against the wall. It's just a hard fought game that kind of when you're done, you just shake hands and say, great game, you know, and like you can't yeah. hang your head over it because you didn't do anything wrong, you know, yeah. and you didn't have like, you know, you can't go back and go like, I, I can't remember a time where I'm going like, well, I would have won this game if I wouldn't have done this. Mm-hmm. There was none of that either. It was like just everybody played right. And for the most part, I'm sure there was botched dice rolls, but can't remember them. So it was just a good, hard-fought loss. Um, the other game was really happy with the result at the um, Critter Cup Gamma that we played up there in Iowa. It was in the finals. I finally got to play on the top table and play at the stadium. Uh, I was my chaos team versus the humans. And... Um, he was just beating the hell out of me injury wise. And I just remember, you know, I just tried to remain calm and cool and keep fighting and fighting and fighting. And then, um, we had it in our hands to, to win. And then we had like this one moment where like, 
do I just take the chances by holding on to the ball or do I make this long pass to guarantee the victory? And I thought, I'm going to fall on my own sword. And I looked like a genius because I rolled good. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it felt really good to like, you have a plan and every all the dice work with you too, you know? Yeah. So it just, it felt really good. And, you know, I didn't lose my cool and stuff despite <laughs> all the injuries. Cause I, you know, I took a picture at the end of the game of like, these are the like seven guys who are remaining on the field or whatever it was. You know, hopefully that streak has snapped because oh, the last few times you've played, you haven't had people in the injury box after no, the first turn. Uh, yeah. Nuffleween was a lot better. I had a whole bunch of guys get hurt. Yeah. Adding that first game, and then it kind of luckily has died down, maybe. We'll see. We'll see if 2020 <laughs> is a little bit different. So, uh, another honorable mention here, though, is, and I can't really say it's like me playing good. Uh, me and Jason Campbell had a really fun, I wouldn't say maybe fun because I won. Yeah. A game at Nuffleween. It's a hard fought game. Really should have been one to one, but it was one of those games where, like, well, I have to dodge into this tackle zone, and then dodge into this tackle zone, and then dodge away. And then two go for it. We'll see what happens. And, you know, when you roll a five and a five and, you know, I made all my dice rolls and this orc dodged through all these people and I scored in the last play. So it made me look really smart, even though <laughs> it was really just a dicing. You know, oh, of course. Deal. Yeah. But like, you got to put was, yourself in that position. That was a big fun moment to be on the receiving end of that. Yes. Those are always good. Top two worst games or tournament experiences of the year. This was both World Cup um, getting flashed. That was the worst? That should have been one of your greatest moments. Don't, you know, it kind of is on both sides of it. I cannot say I've seen a man's penis at the Blood Bowl tournament. I know, and I can. And I don't know if I like that. It's at least like... Was he hairy? Oh, God. So hairy. <laughs> like, when he mooned us, it was just like a werewolf had decided to turn around and show you his hiney. And <laughs> You're killing me. then the front was, I didn't have time to process it. Like he just lifted. We saw it and turned away and was like, what the hell just happened? Why is this a thing? Why? What is going on? Your brain just, it's like getting attacked. You're like, I don't understand what's going on. And uh, so, yes, I got a story out of it, but isn't that the best part though oh yeah absolutely in some ways i mean like you got a story so like albert machado longtime listener and friend always writes in yes and he wrote in an email and was talking about you know my take on that how at least it made a good story because that's immediately what i thought <laughs> i'm like that was weird this is going to be incredible to tell people about right and he's like that's a great attitude to have i'm going to use that later on for stuff and i don't know it's just always been that way you know no matter how bad stuff gets, as long as you make it through it, you know, at least you have a story. Um, but really, the worst thing was losing four straight games after that. I mean, I was at the World Cup, the largest tournament in the world, and I I always, already was second-guessing myself for taking elves because I didn't do great in any of the prelim tournaments. Right. You know, I'm like, I'm, I kept telling people I'm the weak link in the in the squad i'm not that great of a player and when i was one and fucking four sitting there going what am i doing you know i know i can play better than this i'm really this bad and i'm looking forward at four more games i'm like am i going to go one and eight am i going to come to 
And how humiliating would that be? Just like go do spend all this time, all that money, build up to it, and go one and eight when no offense to anyone that did, but I mean like I wasn't going there to go one and eight. But that's what it's looking that. like. But I also think your squad maybe put too much I mean, it worked out fine. Yeah. But I think y'all really with this attitude of we're gonna try to do our best to Doing your best and then with the attitude of winning it all is two different things in oh, my yeah. book. Oh, well, doing your best, absolutely. But So you probably felt a little bit of pressure, like, I'm really letting everybody down. Well, because sure. I know Drew and, those, Drew and Chance really wanted to be as strong as possible yeah. and optimal builds and all this stuff. And so and I get that, and I changed. I did, oh, I get you it, know, too. I'm not, team, not, I'm not knocking them. I'm no, just saying, it's just like, that moment was the most dejected and pissed that I've been at the game in so long. Right. Because it was just at the bottom of the pit. There was no way out except like, you know, if I, if I win the next four games, I guess I have a good record. Thank God I won the f- next four games. You were like Bane crawling out of that hole. Yeah. Look at you. You're so Nobody strong. Nobody cared now. who I was until I put the mask on. There you go. Or for Bane from the new Harley Quinn show. Well, I'm going to blow it up. Have you been watching Harley Quinn? No. Oh, so good. Like the cartoon? Yes. Oh, oh my God. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, you got to watch it. But well. yes, those are my worst two experiences. Just seeing Dong and thinking <laughs> I was going one and eight. Seeing Dong. Um, that could be like a good uh, movie good. about trying to... Go visit a Korean guy, <laughs> right? Sing Dong, yeah, that'd be that'd be interesting. Um, being trashed by Andrew Miller in Iowa on the first day of the Three Die Brawl weekend. Yeah, I was playing lizards, playing against undead. It didn't matter what I did; I got trashed three to <laughs> nothing. Jeez, he broke. It wasn't the skinks. It wasn't like I had six lizards and one skink left. It was like I had two lizard men and six skinks left. So you basically took the new Cats of Saints? I did. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I just got thrashed. There was nothing I could do. It was it was not enjoyable just because of the thrashing I took. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, great. Um, so that was one. The probably worst moment, and this is going to sound like sour grapes because it kind of is. I should know better. Me telling Brian, too, that you realize there's not much time left. This is the last play. Uh, Instead of letting Brian, too, just play his game and me winning against Brian, too. Yeah, that is so dumb. And I don't know why I did that. I know I did that. I wanted to beat him, and and I didn't want to. You didn't want to use the, quote-unquote, the rules to beat him. You wanted to beat him. Right. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I didn't want to hear like, well, or I didn't want to feel like the only reason you brought on Brian, too, is is maybe he lost track of the clock or or whatever it was. And I told him, well, you realize this is the last play because there's only less than two minutes left. And and then he changes everything he was going to do. Because he already moved his ball carrier, but I let him move it back, you know, because I'm a gentleman and it comes to cost me. <laughs> You're an idiot. Yeah. 
I mean, like, I can say, like, I almost beat the Calf Cup champion, two-time mm-hmm. champion, but I can't say I did that because I didn't. Mm-hmm. Good job. And really, I shouldn't have said that. So I'm mad at myself. My worst moment is me. I hate myself for doing that. <laughs> That's valid. Top two race based on tournaments that you never want to play again, or at least for a long time. So I only played Nurgle, Lizards, Chaos, Bretts, and Orcs. So judging by my tournament, how I did at tournaments, yeah, I guess I don't want to play Lizards or Bretts for a while. Yeah, my I I, I had Bretonian, Elf, Underworld, Corn, Elf, Elf, Elf. You played a lot elf. of Elves. So I'm kind of done playing Elves, really, and I kind of want to play Corn. I I I I actually like all those teams, so I don't really have an issue with it. So I don't have a good answer. Well, the question basically is, which two don't you want to play for a little bit? I guess elves and Protonians. Well, that's a, that's valid. You played so much elves, you might just be tired of them. Yeah. And I really need to, you know, if any next time I play Protonians or Corn, I should know the rules. That would help. It's really sad that three tournaments this year, at least, I just screwed up on rules or how to build a team. Mm-hmm. That's bad. That's okay. It's bad. I, I give you the downing for the chance award. Yeah. Let's but he knows the rules. He just doesn't know how to <laughs> get to a computer to build a team. Correctly. Right. <laughs> uh, Top two races you enjoyed playing this last year. Well, Corn and Bretonians, they were new to me. I enjoyed them. But again, I, I really need to learn the rules. Oh, that's right. This is the last... This, this was the first year you played them because you finally got your... Yeah, I got my 26. 26 patch. Actually, I picked up 25 and 26 patches from Massimo in the World Cup. I don't have a 25 patch. Corn and Bretonian, oh, they have never their own mind. patches. They have their own patches. Yeah, yeah I think I do. Or yeah. maybe I'm, I looked at yours. It don't matter. I'm not really a patch guy. I mean, I like them and I'll keep them, but I don't know what to do with them. I just see them as part of the whole... Well, I paid the money. I might as well get the sure. patch. My top two races I enjoyed playing this year, surprisingly, Orcs and Chaos. And those are the teams I dreaded the most about playing right. like, for the second time. Chaos, I would have told you, I never want to play again before playing them this last year. But I kind of had some fun playing them. I still don't know if I'm like itching to play with them. Right. But I, I know at one point I was like, I don't, why do I even care about models? Because I'm never really going to play with them again. Um, now, orcs, same thing, kind of. Like, I like how I painted my own orc team. I like the models, but I just had no desire to play them. And I don't know if this just comes from like, they come in the starter box, so you just don't want to play with them. I've never been interested. I'm more interested now by trying the build with a lot of goblins because I really liked that mobility to get that assist for a block or to weave in and out and try to get to the ball or whatever you need with that, you know, with the stunty ability. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it helped winning Nuffleween, but with them, but at the same time, before I won Nuffleween, I, I looked at them totally different. Like, oh. These are a lot more fun to play than just the regular orcs of just bash, 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 bash. That's good. So 
got a different perspective on those. Makes sense. Yeah. Uh, top two places we ate at at tournaments last year. Now, this should be interesting because you got to eat at a lot more places than I got to eat. Yeah, but it did say we, so I didn't include anything uh, overseas. You could. If, I if could. there's something that stands out and you remember it right now, go for it. So, like, I mean, the best steak I've ever had was in Chicago. And then, like, every other meal in overseas was amazing. Okay. But the two I picked... Or Butcher's Barbecue Stand, because that was just so much fun with us and Pete and the Swedes and waiting. I, and then I almost didn't count that because I was like, "But we're it here. was our tournament, though. It was our tournament, and there's we wouldn't have gone if they weren't here, right? So you're right on that. So and those ribs were amazing. Every time I'm off on a Friday, I'm like, I'm gonna go it's up so there, tempting. and then like. I'll end up finding work. So mm-hmm. like I'm like, okay, I can't go. But it's and, gonna happen again. And then world class Arby's. <laughs> I first wrote down <laughs> world class Arby's as well. <laughs> also known to everybody in Lubbock as Waterburger. But I really liked uh, uh remember that pizza place we ate at in Iowa called Need Pizza? Oh, the yeah. one with the potatoes and stuff yeah. on there. I really liked that. It that was, was fun. it was different. It was different enough pizza mm-hmm. that I like that. Now, again, I didn't travel that much, so I, I don't have a lot of places. Can we say Drew's since he cooked? We could say count? Drew's, I guess. That was fun. Drew's, yeah, everybody go to Drew's house to eat. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I have Need Pizza and Butcher's Barbecue Stand. Okay. Um, that I like that dumpling place that nobody else really liked that we ate yeah, at. Yeah, I didn't much care for it. Jen didn't either. She's like, no, I would... I can't, if we go back, I'm going to try that place again, but I'll probably be eating by myself. Yeah. You and Jen will go somewhere else. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, I couldn't resist putting world-class Arby's. Just I had that down last night <laughs> when I was doing the notes, and then I was like, uh, uh, Steve's going to get mad at me for bringing that up. And nope. then you brought it up. <laughs> I love world-class Arby's. <laughs> we ate there twice on our trip to Lubbock. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, final one for this year. Top two things in Blood Bowl that was released this year. Um, you, why don't you go first? Well, my two are A, the new Blitz Bowl stuff, because I thought that was cool that actually the game's still being supported. The Great Blood, point. Blood Bowl is getting into the mass market. You know, more people are probably seeing it there than at game stores. You're right about that. I didn't even think of it. For America, anyways. Uh-huh. Um, and then... Just the plain red block dice. That set of dice that was, you know, see-through red that they put out. I really like those. They are They good. looked really good. And if they're going to be kept in print where you can order them at any time. I are think they, that, I think that's, I don't know. That's what they said. Are they? But I think that's great. Well, I mean, I can't argue with you. Okay. I really wish I could put Spike magazines on it this year because... In the past, mm-hmm. since those have been coming out, I think they've been on this list because they've been so good. But with the lack of not so many star players, and then some of the yeah, I don't want to I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings by calling them goofy rules, but they just seem like so over the top, convoluted. Maybe the last couple have seemed to miss the mark. Yeah, and it doesn't help that I bought fully in on the last two releases, yeah. only to be disappointed with. Not as many, you know, the cards are still yes. blah. 
less star players. So and I didn't like the halflings being turned into white trash, basically. Right. I <laughs> we we agree with most of these. I did, despite not wanting to pay for them. I really liked the female ogres. Yes, uh, I thought I was excited about those because again, I fully bought into the ogre team because when we go to tournaments if jennifer plays it seems like she likes to play ogres Mm -hmm. just to hit things and you know if she wins no big deal um but she doesn't like my ogre team she likes steve's ogre team because they're cute so i thought with this new ogre team i'll get it and i'll paint it myself and you know maybe she'll like my ogre team i have Ogre envy that she likes yours team better than mine (laughs) my team so i bought these and then i thought when i I was kind of still on the fence, and then when I saw the female ogres, I was like, oh, she might really like having a yeah. couple of gals on this team. So I bought my first purchase from Forge World that I actually bought and got the shipped over and everything. They're ungodly expensive. Mm-hmm. They really are. I do like the models. They're not as expensive as we expected, though. No. I There's only I, that. I thought they would be more, but man, it's really... I don't know how they can justify it so much, but I don't. I don't get it. I'm not. We all complained about that, but I really like the female ogres, and to me, they made the ogre team better. Yeah. And so my second thing is the ogre team with the models. I even went as far as people are at home going to be going like, "You're an idiot." I bought a second box of ogres because I have this problem, which most of you don't have. You buy a Wood Elf team, and it comes with 12 models, and you go, okay, I don't need anything else. I get the 12 models and go, but what if I want to run all linemen and a star player? Mm -hmm. What if I want to run all four catchers and no blitzers? What if I want to do this? And so I I want those options. So I thought, what if I ever... Don't you want to save this for the next episode? Well, we can, but... I bought two boxes of ogres. Okay. Because I liked them that much. Okay, I'll They're save They're pretty those. awesome. You're right. We'll save this for the next episode. It's a little teaser. It is kind of a teaser. But I did enjoy them enough and got into the modeling side. And I'll talk I would more. I would say the ogres are my favorite team released, I think. They look mm-hmm. great. They do. There's still too many yeah. people on one leg, which I really hate. Sure. But... But we can get into that we'll next talk, time. Yeah. We'll talk about that more in depth next episode. But the female ogres what really sold it for me, though. Yeah. Because, you know, the box comes with four. There was two there. And I was like, boom, done. Yeah, six. perfect. So, anyways. So, that is the end of the 2019 downies. And since this is episode 100, let's go and do some overall downies. Why? Because. Why not? Okay, fine. Okay. Um, Do you have the list of this? Because I don't. Yeah, I got it. So, best trip ever. Best trip ever. Wow. Mine's easy. World Cup. I mean... Yeah, yours has Despite yours not... Despite you not being there, I mean, it's hard to... Sure. You know, pass up... Let me think of a term. The amazement that was going to Europe. There, There's so many, though. There really is. To be fair. And um, again, if we leave somebody out, I mean, this could change. I'm just throwing it out at the time, so... You sure? Um, we didn't research this. I almost want to say my trip to Iowa with Jennifer when it was just me and her. Oh, because, I see how it is. Because, because I picked the World Cup because you didn't go. No, 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 no. I like, let's see, what's no, one of the tournaments that I didn't go with Steve? No, mm. 
it was still early on. It was her like first kind of inaugural Blood Bowl trip. Yeah. She was still kind of learning stuff because remember she, no, you weren't there. She played Drew like the night before in a practice game to get her stuff down. Mm-hmm. One of the most memorable ones is always going to be the first Chaos Cup. Yeah, for sure. But at the same time, I think it was that second one that really, really made me go, I have to do this every year. Because it was at the hotel. It was nicer than the first one. Mm-hmm. That one's always going to be special to me. Yeah. Uh, by a lot. Uh, the trip where... Was that the one we went with Alan? Or was that the next... See, there's that one with Alan was really memorable because he's never taken a lot of trips with us. That's true. The trip with... Me, you, and Jennifer driving up there was very yeah. special. Um, I really liked the, one of the early Rock Cup ones when we went down to, I think it was me, you, and Robert. Yeah. Went down to, I mean, there's so many great trips. There really has been. And that's, you know. But maybe it's because we turn them into fun. Yeah, well, just the fact that we're hanging out helps. But yeah. So this one thing that I, I sort of take for granted, and I try not to is the fact that we do travel so much for Blood Bowl. And, you know, I talk to people, like, at work when getting to know new people, and I'd be like, you know, I went to, I go to Chicago every year. You do? What for? I go, oh, a gaming tournament. Wow, that's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I also go to Iowa, and I go to Kansas, and Missouri, and Texas. I I really do travel a lot. I mean, I've driven to Virginia. I've flown to... You know, overseas and everything. So there's been almost every traveling trip has its own special memories, and I Absolutely. know that sounds really lame, but it it's, it's true. It is true. Even going to Matador Melee was the first time that my buddy Gary, who mm-hmm. was the original guy who bought Blood Bowl back when we were in ninth grade, got to go on a road trip with me. Yeah, and here it is, you know, thirty something years later, <laughs> and he finally got to travel and. He had a blast. So that was special in its mm-hmm. own way, even though we ate at world-class Arby's several times <laughs> and a bad pizza place. And, and a decent uh, Mexican. Mexican place. Yeah. So p- piggybacking on that, what was the best tournament ever? Mm. And this is hard because it's like, is it based on what criteria? I mean, it's just kind of whatever. Man. See, I'm thinking it's got to be just just wrap all the Chaos Cups up. That were on Dundee in Palatine, just put yeah, them all yeah. together because just that whole experience, hanging out with everybody and getting ice cream and getting pizza and yeah, Chinese food. <laughs> There's so many good ones, and like I want to claim like the one where I guess that's really the trip. I should that's not, <laughs> that's not do with the tournament. Well, uh, good point. But hmm. if you're gonna pick a tournament, you're probably gonna pick something that you either did well at or had the most fun. Yeah. They still go hand in hand. I might say the Chaos Cup where I got the um, casualty award because I sat out with that goal and the pressure was so overwhelming. When you build a team just to kill things Mm -hmm. and you win that award, it's almost unsatisfying. But at the same time, like you had the pressure of like, what if this doesn't work? There's that one. And there's the um, maybe the most fun tournament was the chaos cup where i took the snotling team wow i got to the stunty finals yeah i was one go for it away mm-hmm. one go for it for winning it i would have won the stunty cup but i tripped and we tied 
and he won by you know tiebreakers for the Stunty Cup. But I don't know. There's so many good ones. You know, one of my, if we're just talking about solely the tournament, and just the actual play of the tournament. Yeah, mine might be the Buccaneer Bowl, where I beat, um, well, I won it all, and the very last round I beat Kendall. Yeah. And, you know, just the ship moving and the way I was using well, that to my saying, advantage and everything. So, these are so and almost impossible to answer yeah. because there's it so is. many good things. Like, I think it was the third Rock Cup I went to. I ended up trickling down to third mm-hmm. because of Michael Lewis yes. and people, you know, having headaches health, and stuff. Yeah, health problems and stuff. Um, but I did so well and beat some top coaches. Yeah, that was the year that I sent in the wrong roster and Again. had to use a whole bunch of blitzers. And that's Steve, Steve likes sending in wrong rosters. No, no, I don't. Really don't. <laughs> All right, what else you got for me? Um, we best podcast moment. Best podcast moment. And we've had a ton. We've had a ton. Like uh, the most memorable that I can think of is the our ten- tornado coverage. I mean, we got a ton of feedback about that and just being yeah, able we're to. Yeah, we judging this from like how much it meant to I us. I don't know. Or... Just whatever. Because still, I mean, that meant a lot to me being able to express express it and it tell people what like it was. the and... Brian Hill episode where yeah. we just got to kind of like talk. Mm-hmm. Talk and be human with other people and say like, I was scared yeah. to death. This is what was happening. Mm-hmm. I think the tornado episode, the Brian Hill episode, and the first time we had Pete on here were really special to me. Yeah. Um, and I'm not talking about Pete live in person. I'm talking no, about just talking to him yeah. over across the seas. Those were all really special moments to me a lot. Um, those are really hard to lay down, too. It really is. Because, you know, the tornado episode's so different now because my life has changed so much. It really has. And so much for the better in a lot of ways. But mm-hmm. at that particular moment in time, I was very scared with the people I was with, you know. Yeah. So you can't take that away at the at the moment at least. So All right. overall best blood bowl achievement. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Um I'm still gonna ride the boat on I thought I was the first guy to be the First 24 and 24, mm-hmm. and I was for the Northern Hemisphere. That's big. And if you just take away the history of Aust- people from Australia, yeah, then I'm still the first guy. So, I mean, I am the first Northern Hemisphere person to do the 24 teams and 24 tournaments. Yeah. And I did 31 and 31 because I, <laughs> I, I messed with the rules enough to make me be unique. But I don't know. That one's a little difficult, too. I think back to, um, what was it, the original Bugmans? Like the second tournament we ever went to? That's, that's a, and I took that Amazon's. That is a forgotten moment because that was both of our second tournaments. Yeah. You took Amazon's, finished first. And I finished first by tying a dwarf team that I thought for sure I was going to get destroyed by. And I took a build where I took, you know, I was playing with my. Um, Ashfall Scorchers. Right, but I took a build where I was trying to trick people, and it worked almost every round. Because I had my catchers, and then I had my blitzers. So I'd send my catchers downfield, 
and leave my blitzers with them. And people would go and tie up my catchers, but I was never going to throw to my catchers. I was going to throw to my blitzers. blitzers. So I kept doing that and it kept working and I was able to win the whole thing. It was like my second tournament in and I've won something. Then it was all downhill from there. <laughs> I was so mad because I finished second with vampires. <laughs> Did, didn't we have the same record? Yeah. I think we had yeah. the same record, but went to tiebreakers. And same with the oh, dwarf we, coach. Because... But at the same time, we thought we were like badasses. Because I think it, me, you, and then Brock got third, yeah. I think. And we were like, yeah, we're Oklahoma. One, two, three, really came proud. down, swept it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Long time ago. Yeah. You know what? A, so Chaos Cup was our first tournament. Uh-huh. That was our second tournament. You know what a third tournament was? Our own? Chaos Cup. Oh, did we take a break before we did our own tournaments? Well, that we didn't play in them. Oh, because we didn't play in the first Oklahoma yeah. Bowls. You're right. Yeah, it's just correct. If I look back at the timeline of mm-hmm. our tournaments, it's like, wow, we didn't play in Jack all. And we did enough Halloween, so we didn't. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was after Chaos Cup, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, early on, we Chaos Cup was our big event, and yeah. you know, we tried to start running some, so. Best Blood Bowl game ever. Hmm. Ever. See, I think I just default back to the answers I gave for last year. Because that those were some of the best games I've ever played. At the World Cup? Mm-hmm. World Cup and a top table at Chaos Cup. Huh. It's hard for me to think of anything else. Yeah, I mean, that... I go back to that Rot Cup year where I went through Tim Har and yeah. uh, Dean, and I, I, I'm pretty sure my memory's kind of vague, but I think I came back being down one one to nothing on Dean or two to one, Ooh. and I came back with like it wasn't much time, but I came back. I didn't give up, and I came back and yeah. I won the game, and that just blew my brain. One that I could, I kept calm enough to just. Just try to play Blood yeah. Bowl instead of getting pissy. I'm sure I was still pissy, but you know what I'm I saying? need to change my answer. Oh, yeah? Um, tournament in Kansas, Emerald City Cup, when I took my North team with Ice Pelt, and I was playing against, I forget who, but I was down two to nothing at halftime. Oh, I remember And then that. I came back to win three yeah. to two. Yeah. So, yeah, that was my best game ever because I don't know how I did that. You were playing against some elves too. If I, I think so. Right, some pro elves. Yeah. Yeah. And he just stopped being able to score and I was getting the ball away from him. Because I was next to you on the yeah. other table and you were just getting thrashed <laughs> that first half. Yeah, I was just I was just so mad. I'm like, I can't do anything. And that second half I got three touchdowns. The comebacks when you think you're dead in the water, yeah. those are the big ones that are like a big Because you had one like that in Austin. Because I remember you being so happy and you went out to the vending machine or mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, and had one and had one like that and um up uh, up in Iowa when I threw yeah. one of the halflings I was just so giddy. <laughs> <laughs> you do get into that space you're like I can't believe it I can't believe it. Right. And you really don't have any more right to shout and be happy than anybody else cause, Yeah. you know dice rolls but still. Uh favorite race played? I think for leagues I really like pro elves. I I don't want to be an elf guy. Yeah, I but, want to be a dwarf guy so much. Yeah. I want to be the dwarf guy so much. But I think the r- reality is is if you have 9 guys in a dwarf team, you're dead. Mhm. When you have 7 guys with an elf team, 
You're still alive. You have three guys with an elf team. You're still alive. So you can score at least for tournaments, though. I don't know if I can pin this down. I really like Necro a lot. I've never cared. I I need to play them more. I think I've played them only once. I like vampires a lot, but I like a lot of teams a lot that I don't play that often because I, I just go through them, you know, often. Yeah. Um, I want to really like Chaos Pack, but they're really hard in tournaments, mm-hmm. or at least in a lot of the term- tournament formats. Now, out of the stunties, I can tell you, I like playing Halflings the most. Yeah, I like those the least. <clears throat> oh, I, I figured you did. Yeah. Um, My favorite, like, I, I'm always going to love Norse. That's just probably my favorite team, period. Right. And Elves are great. You know, Dark Elves probably, like overall, just if I had to pick a team to play and I don't know what the tournament is, Dark Elves is going to be my go-to. Right. Because it gives me the agility, gives me the the bashing ability. Right. Four guys with block, yeah. pretty much. And I could take an assassin if I want, which you don't ever th- want. But I think that fits you. Yeah. I mean, for a while you got really... You play, started doing the assassin thing early on. Yeah. I mean, that's the only reason you're at... T- you did the 24 less time than me because... Yeah, I did it in 25 tournaments because right. I took the uh, the Dark Elves to <laughs> You took Twister the three assassins. <laughs> yes. Three, which worked out awesome like, in one game, one tournament and not so well in the other. Well, when someone's like, oh, you know, you can't blitz and stab. What? Yeah, you can't blitz and stab. Aw. That ruined it. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> so fun. And, of course, us being us... Final well, you quest. can blitz and stab. You well, yeah, du- multi-block, multi-block stab. and stab. Yeah. Sorry, yes. Us being us, best place we've ever eaten, final question. On a trip for Blood Bowl or at a tournament like here, best place we've ever eaten for related to Blood Bowl? Um, Man, this one's hard too. I'm going to say... Mine, I'm just going to say Giordano's. The first time we ate at Giordano's. See, that's magical too. Because I love pizza. I love thick crust pizza. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to go to Chicago Pizza Place. Never got to. Was in Chicago one time, you know, eight, nine years before we went to Chaos Cup. And I was so broke, we couldn't even stop to get a pizza as much as I wanted to. It's so up there. That first time getting it was just amazing. It's definitely up there, and to me, it's a always must get one time in Chicago. Anymore, I can do without it, but yes, the, I understand. The one place I miss when we do on our trips, and I think it's called Planet Pizza, the one that had the retro arcade that we did up in Iowa. Do you remember that? You had cheese sticks two times that oh, day. Oh, yeah, that They closed place. it down. Yeah. I liked it because... Me and Drew made up our own kind of pizza. Yeah. They had a barbecue option, you know, to eat late. Mm-hmm. I like that pizza a lot. I find myself always going, God, I wish that place was open. God, I wish that place was I open. I love the downtown area, too. And I love the downtown area. Um, so that's the one place that if you said you get to go to one, teleport there right now, and, you know, eat for a couple hours with your buddies, that's the place I would pick. Man, um, if I could... 
Now, if, if I, I could, could teleport, if I could have a store in yeah. Oklahoma, it would be um, either Oprah Weiss or the Klotzy Factory. But that's me. Yeah. If I could choose to teleport people just to a place, I have no idea what the place was called. Uh, it was in Schwarzenberg. It was this restaurant there, and just being in that area at night, like a valley in between mountains. And having a hamburger with meat, bread, cheese, everything from that valley. And just sitting there, being in Europe, hanging out with friends. If I could take all my friends there and hang out, that would be magical. Hmm. It was just a great time. Yeah, it's got to be kind of weird knowing that everything was probably made within a couple of miles of there. Not even miles. Hmm. I mean, it was... I walked... I walked down there and I walked a little further into the whole town. It was like two miles hmm. or five miles. I forget what, but it was amazing. But yeah, that's it for uh, the Downies for 2019. Hope you, hope you made the cut so you can be proud. and like, I was part of the Downies. And if not, well, that's how things go. Yeah, you got to try harder next year to be on the Downy list. Okay, we're going to wrap this up and we'll be back with another interview. All right, we're back, and we have that special guest that we talked about. I'm proud to say that we have Mr. James Hewitt on the Boat Down Podcast. Welcome, James. Hello. It's, thank you for having me. This this has been like a long time coming, you know. I, I've, I think there was briefly like a threat of me being able to come on back when I was working on Blood Bowl. Um, well, it never quite worked out. You know, uh, but here I am. We have tried. That's that's one of the things that sticks in my craw pretty bad is that somehow or another, another podcast got, you know, everyone on from GW when it first launched, and then we tried to get people on, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll get back to you in five years." <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, fine, I get it. Well, I, I, I've, I've slipped the leash, you know, <laughs> so I can I can go where I like now. Well, that's. That's how you do it. <laughs> so does G- do you guys in GW actually like, if we said we're from both down, would somebody actually there know who we are? Oh yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, we're good or um, bad. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you're definitely, you're one of the good ones. You know? <laughs> hey, we'll take it. We, well, we try we, to, we definitely have some like alignment on team naming conventions. I think this is definitely <laughs> a thing. I mean, because I mean, you know, I, I I take this kind of thing seriously. When when I found out I was I had the job and I knew I was going to be working on Blood Bowl, uh, I kind of did a big deep dive and I listened to various podcasts and different things. And yeah, definitely you guys are the ones. I was like, okay, this is the one I'm not I'm not unsubscribing after <laughs> finishing listening. You know, I'm, I'm quite happy here. Wow, well, that, that's actually really cool. So yeah, I will say that you know everyone was nervous when it was announced that things were possibly going to change you think you were nervous <laughs> oh yeah oh i'm sure but yeah when you started showing up on the scene and started talking about your love of the game and you know your naming conventions and all that I'm like you know what guys this he actually gets it he likes <laughs> yeah. the game he's not looking to completely screw it over i think we're going to be fine i've said it in the yeah. past and i'll say it in the future blood bowl is a sports role-playing game yep yep Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, there is no quicker way to kind of lose my respect as a hobbyist than to show me your Blood Bowl team 
where you you know you haven't picked a decent team name and named your players. You know that is. I'm, I'm, we're going to have words. Uh, this is Bob's team, and uh, it's all Bob. This is Bob. Yep. This yep. is Bob too. Yep. Yeah. And I don't care if you, if you go kind of you know humorous. You can go that way. You can go do what sure. you like. But I but I want it to have fun. I mean, like for, for example, one of the first leagues I played in um, in a big way. I remember still to this day there was an undead team, and it was of course all the white puns. You know, there was there was Barry White, Mikey uh, White, all this. And I was like, yeah, cool, okay, I can yeah. I, I can accept that. That that's 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 good. I like it. But um, yeah, we had in fact we had one team in. We did like a a, a league in the Forge World Studio before the game came out. We were testing out the the, the new uh, season rules, and uh, there was one one guy, just one guy in the team who gave his team a really stupid name, and all of us just mercilessly just ripped into him constantly. <laughs> Um, I was doing the, the league newsletter, as, as you do, you know, and um, every time his team had anything, it was I was laboring the point that it was the worst name I'd ever heard. Jeez. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You might have to share with us off the air. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah I, I, will, I will do that. <laughs> yeah, we've tried to get old new, um, newsletters from Milo Sharp back when he was there and yeah, some yeah, other yeah. people, and nobody has them. I, I really wish there was just like a... A treasure trove of you know past GW yeah. league newsletters that exist, and it's just like ah, I want them. Yeah, I mean, what what I love is is the fact that you know the whole nature of the game is that um, this is this is true of a lot of games workshop things, but especially Blood Bowl, a lot of the big team names and the big you know moments that are known in Blood Bowl history just came from the office leagues, you know, um, yeah. and there would be situation i mean i know i did it i some of the color text box outs i wrote for blood bowl were literally just renditions of things that happened in games i played in around the office and um I, i'm sure it, it would be fascinating to actually look at some of the old you know 10 15 years ago some of the, the league reports and the newsletters and just kind of see oh hang on that's where that team came from that's where that moment was exactly well uh before we dive too far into blood bowl why don't you give us a backstory <laughs> of your beginning in game design and what yeah, brought sure. you to GW? Uh, so let me think. So I, uh, I've been playing uh, games f- f- my whole life. Uh, my, you know, my family, uh, board game people, and uh, so I've, you know, I grew up with a games cupboard. And it, well, I was about eight, nine years old, I think, when I really got into games workshop things in a big way. Uh, it's I picked up a copy of Hero <laughs> Quest. I think my dad got me a copy of Hero Quest when I was like four or five. Uh, and then refused to play it with me. So I, <laughs> I just had this copy of Hero Quest that I just tinkered with myself. Um, and yeah, kind of. So I got, I got in, it was around the time. In fact, I'll tell you. So my first White Dwarf was the one when the Death Zone box was released. Oh, wow. Uh, the, the yellow cover with uh, the Minotaur and the, and the Wood Elf. Yeah. Oh, the Death Zone cover. Um, so it was around like mid 182, 183, I think it was maybe. Mm-hmm. And uh, so from the moment I got into the hobby in a serious way, I was like, yeah, Blood Bowl, this is a thing. I like it. Uh, I, I, I was not a sporty kid. So it, the, my first impression was, oh, it's sports. <laughs> um, and then once I realized there was more to it than that, I was, I was quite interested. But I never really played as much of it growing up, I was much more into like Warhammer and uh, it was mainly 40k and Necromunda were my two games. Uh, but then I started working in Games Workshop retail stores when I was about 19 and running Blood Bowl leagues was just an obvious thing to do. Um, it was back in the days when that kind of thing, you saw more of that kind of stuff in the shops. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, I ran a lot of leagues and campaigns for everything, but Blood Bowl was one that we would, you know, once a year we'd have a Blood Bowl uh, league, wherever I was. Uh, and I just kind of got the bug, and we, we played a hell of a lot of it. Um, myself, uh, Sophie, who's my partner, who is in Needy Cat Games with me, her greatest Blood Bowl achievement was she couldn't find her Blood Bowl dwar- dwarf team. So while I was playing a game with one of my buddies, she sat down, kitbashed, and painted a dwarf team in the time it took us to play one game. <laughs> and it's astonishing that she did this. Uh, yeah, no wonder you're with her. <laughs> It was it was it was unbelievable. It was out of just like plastic. Uh, one of the whichever the, the box game had the goblins and the dwarves in, just hacked them, those apart and yeah made a new team so she could she could play. Jeez. And uh, yeah, so that was that, that was, was the moment where you said you're the one. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, you will do. Um, yeah. So um, so yes, yeah, so I worked for Games Workshop Retail for about ten years. Uh, ended up running a few stores in the London area, uh, but the whole way through. I really wanted to write games. This is kind of my thing that I'd been wanting to do my whole life. And uh, I think literally on my job interview when I was like 18 years old, I'd said, uh, I'm joining, you know, I want to come work for Games Workshop. I love the, the games, but what I'd really love to do is use this as a way to get experience that I can then use to get a job in the design studio. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, sure enough, uh, however many years later, I think... <laughs> You know, I don't want to think about how many years later it was. <laughs> I, I I got got a job, so I'd, I'd actually I'd, I'd gone uh, from Games Workshop Retail into Mantic Games, where I was a co-designer on Dreadball. There's kind of a segue there, and I'm sure we could talk about that more later. Um, and then uh, because I kind of had that experience, I then got a job in the Games Workshop Rules team, and I worked on things like. Uh, couple of the last warhammer supplements before warhammer went kaboom uh did some work on the initial age of sigma a couple of box games so i did uh, betrayal at calf silver tower gore chosen and then i got uh well got lucky enough to be part of the specialist games team that was then newly formed which was all about bringing back old games and the first one that i worked on was sure enough blood bowl uh and that was it was a lot of pressure, as I'm sure you can imagine, because it's a game that is popular. I'm, I'm sure you've, you've heard of how popular Blood Bowl is, right? You, you're familiar I, with the game. You know, I just I went to a tournament that had, you know, a little bit more than 1,400 people. So <laughs> yeah, I guess it's popular. Right. Yep. <laughs> um, and uh, it's, it's a very active community online, a very vocal community online. And, of course, the moment it was announced that, it, that the game was happening of course there was immediately the uh as we said you know lots of people kind of thinking oh are, are they gonna are they the, gonna change it they're gonna wreck it they're gonna the you chicken know, little syndrome yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely um and so i was overjoyed when i discovered that we were basically just shoring up what was already there uh there were a few changes that were coming in nothing major but we basically we were told you can keep uh the CRP as your basis, and go from there. That wasn't always going to be the case, but we fought to make sure that was the case. So um, that's, good. What I, that's what I was about to ask you. Was was that the plan from the very beginning, or did they say, you know, come back in two weeks, we'll hear your ideas out, and then weigh them versus what was in the past? So it was actually, it was never anything that I had anything to do with. So I, I joined the team. Um, this is weird, considering that I was the first game designer in the team. Uh, when I joined... Blood Bowl was already underway because I had to work like a one month notice period. Even though I was transferring within the business, I still had to work a month's notice in my job in the main rules team. 
uh, and also actually around this, I actually I accepted the job while I was off on paternity leave. We had a, a daughter um, around that point, so I kind of I've been I'd been away from work for about eight weeks, and then came back in, worked like th- three more weeks, and then went back. I went down to the Blood Bowl uh, team, uh, but throughout this whole period, I've been kind of having chats, and the the discussion initially was they wanted to roll the rules back i believe was the initial thing to like pre-lrb which would have been utter insanity yeah exactly now no one who was actually uh, creatively involved in the game wanted to do that you know everyone said that's a crazy idea but there was (laughs) some kind of i think there was initially a pushback from like the legal team or something because they were uncertain about the the, who owned the lrb Hmm. i figured that much yeah but thankfully common sense prevailed they you know Jervis weighed in, uh, Andy, who was my boss, weighed in. Everyone kind of said, no, 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 we will literally be crucified. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know? No doubt. And, yeah, absolutely. So um, at that point, yeah, we basically just uh, got to do the thing we wanted to do in the first place. And what was interesting was I'd kind of – so this all happened without me really having any say. I, I turned up. Uh, the rules were already half laid out. I was just – the main thing I, I started doing was – uh, working on Dead Zone season one, so like the you know, the 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 campaign, the league rules, sorry, and oh, that okay. kind of thing. Um, but all the way through, like, you know, in in my in the job interview and the preparation for it, I had been thinking like, what would I do differently if I had the chance to kind of make Blood Bowl again? Because especially, I just come off the back of doing Warhammer Quest Silver Tower, which was taking a really well loved game from the uh, early nineties and creating a new version of it which kind of harked back to the original it was a very different game mechanically but it had hit a lot of the same points uh and so i was kind of thinking right if i was doing that with blood bowl what would i do uh and conveniently i i put most of those ideas to one side and didn't throw them away and so when when blitz bowl came around i kind of just did all the things i was going to do to blood bowl if i had the chance nice okay yeah because i've always heard through the grapevine and i grapevine being facebook and the internet is like <laughs> yeah blitz bowl is really what blood bowl was gonna be if they revamped all the rules I mean, so i you know we're i guess i should preface all this with we might ask some questions that <laughs> i don't know if you're allowed to answer or not answer <laughs> and at yes. any point if you can't answer it no big deal so yes but originally when blitz bowl came out that's what kind of the rumor was is yeah. like this is what blood bowl was gonna be you now, know it's gonna be a totally different game it's only gonna have a few players etc yeah. etc cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's in as much as if I had been given the chance to make Blood Bowl from scratch, that's probably what I would have made. Um, It was certainly never anything that happened at a decision above my level. No one, you know, Blitz Bowl didn't exist until we started writing Blitz Bowl. Uh, But a lot of the principles were in there. So, for example, I mean, uh, things that I wanted to get rid of, just from a game design point of view, you know, looking at the Blood Bowl rule set, there's a lot of opportunities for failure uh there's a lot of downtime uh and this is me saying this as someone who loves blood bowl oh sure yeah for a new player coming in there are all these things i was like there are there are ways you can fix this kind of create a much more modern game uh with like modern design sensibilities but still have the feel of blood bowl and uh yeah so i I think blitz bowl is is a weird thing it's it's the game that you know in a a sliding doors alternate reality uh (laughs) might have happened if we've been told go write blood bowl from scratch blitz bowl might have been that well i i agree with what you're saying about blood bowl blood bowl to me is 
a, a very powerful and great game once you get into it. But the learning curve is so long. And you, you know, if you're, if I'm teaching you Magic the Gathering, we can sit down for an hour and play four or five games. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we're playing Blood Bowl, we're going to play maybe a half at best. Yeah. Um, and it's just, <laughs> the great thing about Blood Bowl is, is the one out of six chance of succeed, succeeding or failure. The bad thing about Blood Bowl is the one out of six chance <laughs> yeah. of succeeding yeah. or failure. And some people can't handle it. That's I mean, sure. we had a, a league with our buddies that we played at home. And one of the guys won the league, won the league pretty good. And he goes, yeah. I think I'm done. And we're like, why are you done? <laughs> he said, I've never played a game that's so stressful. He goes, this game just bothers me. <laughs> stress wise he goes yeah I, I, it's great but i don't think i can do it anymore <laughs> and he walked away <laughs> wow it, it is not for the the faint of heart you know it's a game that it punishes you it's almost it it, it dares you to like it you know it, kind it, of, uh, it really is like that like, yeah it's like an abusive partner sometimes well, I, and, and i say this all the time too it's like every time i win i think of like well i only won because this guy rolled bad or this or that but <laughs> That's that's what Blood Bowl is. I mean, like when you win, you're kind of not happy, and when you lose, you're not happy. And it's like, <laughs> I love you, but I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. What I, I think is what I, what I think is I've always said this about Blood Bowl. Blood Bowl is a very British game, in that it kind of encourages pessimism and, <laughs> <laughs> and melancholy and yeah, questioning yeah. what you're doing with your life. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so as I say, so so Blitz Bowl was kind of my answer to that in a way, um, and it was weird. Cause, I mean, it, it was never meant to be like a big. Uh, how can I put this? I think I put more thought into it than maybe they expected. It, yeah, I think possibly. <laughs> I think not. That's the wrong way to put it. So the guy, so um, the team that uh, gave me the job to write that game. I think they knew what I would do with it, but if it, if I hadn't been able to, they would have been quite happy just putting out a very simple gateway blood bowl game. You know, it didn't need to be a good game. It's kind yeah. of my, my point it, to fulfill. It, uh, it honestly, what it after playing Crunch and you know some of the old attempts yeah. at redoing stuff or the you know the mobile game and stuff, when we saw Blitz Bowl was coming out, I was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'll still yeah. buy it, but it's yeah. probably not going to be that good. And then we play it, and we're like, "Okay, well, this is a lot more fun than it really should be." <laughs> and it has absolutely it has really grown a very big audience on Facebook. There are people doing tournaments and tell me about it. Everything, yeah, it's well, great. And you know, like when we finally played it, we said, "Point out, this is not Blood Bowl." But this is a board game, a good board game set in the Blood Bowl universe. Yeah. And even like just recently within the last, I'd say last two months, I finally got my wife to play it. And, you know, like first she's like, why won't we just play Blood Bowl? And I was like, just give it a chance and all this stuff. <laughs> and about three turns in, she goes, oh, I get it. Yeah. Oh, oh. And then she went on to kick my butt. And she goes, this really is like a really good board game. And I said, yeah, it's the theme is Blood Bowl. But it's there's yeah. a board game there where, where, like you said, there's not a lot of downtime for the other person right. and this and that. And everybody's engaged. And, and I love I love the fluff of it. The whole idea yeah. of you're not trying to win the game. You're trying to show off for the coaches so that you'll be recruited. That's yeah. great. It was it was fascinating. I mean, so obviously, um, I'd worked on the game. You know, I'd, I 
I think it was it was announced. I think like a good six months maybe before it came out. It was a really really early announcement because it was from the. Uh, the New York Toy Fair or one of those things because it's a game that's going into Barnes and Noble. Right. Yeah. Uh, part of the arrangement is they have to announce them really, really early. And um, so when the first picture went up, the first product shot, it was really interesting because, of course, I was I was I was watching because I you know <laughs> I, I I'm always interested. I was watching what the response was going to be, and everyone was kind of looking at that first image and going, "Okay, what is this? Is this is is this?" Like a strip back. Is there, is there, is this crunch? You know, is is it going to be some kind of boring, very straightforward, very stripped back thing? Um, and I, the whole time I was like, oh, are they? Are people going to get it? Are they going to play it and actually enjoy it? Because what I really wanted to make was a game that was accessible and simple, and anyone can pick up and play in no time at all. But fans of Blood Bowl will get it and kind of want to play more of it because there is quite a lot of like strategy to it yeah uh it's a game with a lot less luck uh than blood bowl and i think because you can play in my mind i was always thinking you know if i'm playing in a, in a, a blood bowl tournament and i get tabled because i mean this is the thing anyone who has worked on a game generally will suck at that game and this is true <laughs> of me definitely it's my excuse at least um it's like the England cricket team. We, we, we suck at cricket, even though we invented it. Um, but basically, um, if I get tabled on in a game of Blood Bowl incredibly quickly, uh, I can probably get a game of Blitz Bowl in before the next round starts. Yeah. And that was kind of, you know, and sure enough, I was kind of hoping this, this would be the case. And sure enough, gradually, as people started getting their hands on the game, they were like, oh, actually, oh, okay. Yeah, okay, I see what this is. And... Yeah, it was it was fascinating. What's been really strange, of course, is the game is not available in the UK. Yeah, so I don't I've, get I've that got one of the all. very few copies over here. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think I sent like five of them over there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Steve is think... trying to su- support Europe yeah. <laughs> through Blitzball. Absolutely, I, I do love the fact there are like uh, certain, you know, you'll see on the Facebook group occasionally. Hey, how do I get a copy in the UK? And there are like, oh, you can do this thing, or you can. There was one of if you paid by PayPal. It, yeah. It, 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 you do it, and then they were like, oh, "If you can't do it, speak to this person." You know, the, here, here are your contacts. Yeah, pretty much. But, I love it. Yeah, you really did just hit the nail on the head on that game, though, because it just fits perfectly in the universe and is just different enough. It feel it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how the. I guess the best way to say is it still feels Blood Bowl, and it's still mm. different enough to make you want to play either Blitz Bowl or yeah. Blood Bowl, just like the Fantasy Flight card game of Blood Bowl. That was very different and yet it still yeah. felt like a good board game about blood bowl so yeah i mean in in my mind if, if we if we had done a new blood bowl um you know when we as a specialist game team did blood bowl i would my plan was to push for it to be called something different so blood bowl colon something else you know right because i think the moment you say it's not exactly the same thing you lose a little bit of the pressure and oh. doing that here kind of saying this is not simplified blood bowl this is representing something different in the same universe yeah absolutely um, I yeah thought... because it means it doesn't overwrite it they can live <laughs> side by side you know we played it a few times obviously and we played with wife and then like some of the europeans came over for one of our oklahoma bowl tournaments so we showed yeah. it to them and those two guys from sweden they played it totally different than me and steve they saw oh, all really? the strategy of you know, moving this, moving that, like the placements were really important. And yeah. like, it was like, 
it was really fun to watch them play because I was like, oh my God, these guys are going to stomp us. And they, you know, they did. But watching those two play each other, it was like kind of watching a, a very um, str- strategic board game or chess match yeah. going on yeah. back and yeah. forth. So it was interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I wish I could see more of it being played. That, that's the main thing because, you know, it's not a thing that I've really ever seen someone play in the wild, you know. Uh, I went to uh, Spiel, which is the big board game show over in Germany, and the game was available in German, in Germany. Uh, so I, I stood and watched people play there. I mean, you know, they didn't know who I was. I was just some guy standing next to them watching watching the game, and it was it was fascinating. Um finally actually get, getting to see people play the game i mean we did that quite a lot in testing because i used to take it into into gw and we'd get people in the office to test it yeah but uh, actually watching the game out in the wild being played is is quite an experience yeah i'm glad i didn't go to any game stores in germany because <laughs> i probably would have bought a copy in german just to have <laughs> of course you yeah. would have but i'm like i don't need it i already have <laughs> two open copies and a sealed copy and, yeah it got, sounds like you've got enough copies uh, maybe Maybe not, 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 not <laughs> with Steve. He, he can't refuse a good deal oh, online. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. But that's just right. how that works. Um, one thing. So in in that game, the balls pop up instead of get thrown in. And mm. is that what the trap doors were for in the GW in the original BB sixteen? Was that supposed no. to be something? No, they weren't. So um, it was the other way around. So the um, the trap doors in BB twenty sixteen were there i i I think i'm trying to think of the reason why they were there i think they were put in basically as a potential hook for later rules i know there was okay um it was it was very much i think uh one of the uh because the the boards were physically made and then photographed to create the actual the, the boards and that's been that was certainly true of all the ones, like the high elf one, the goblin one. They were all physically made and then photographed. Um, and what did they do the, with those boards? Uh, they they keep them in the office. And they use them for photography and taking to shows, that sort of thing. Uh, well, they did certainly when I, I was there. I mean, I, I've been out of the office for oh sure yeah. two and a half years now. But certainly, yeah, the, we we had that original uh, Orc Stadium went with us to all the shows we went to, which got increasingly beaten up. So I'm sure eventually it. Uh, it, it probably died or got donated somewhere. But, I, um, I would gladly take any donations of I'm, weird I'm random <laughs> GW stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think some of them would go to, into like the, they got the, the miniatures hall, the exhibition hall. Yeah. So I think some stuff went there and that. That makes but, sense. Uh, yeah. Uh, I quite like the fact that they, that they made them all physically. It gave it a real kind of, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's like, like the Space Hulk board game. That was that, the board for that was all made physically and then photographed. And I think it, it just makes it look more, just more real, realistic. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. you can That's tell. Cool. Um, did everything you wanted to do for Blitz Bowl make it in? Like, were you? I mean, oh. did anybody say like, no, you can't do this. You can do this. Change um, this. No, I, I had remarkably free reign. So, um, so you're quite the... happy with the result. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, I think I, 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 everything I suggested went in there. So uh, putting in the, the, the drill cards to teach the game, that was something that I'd suggested, that went in. Uh, the additional team cards, I suggested that, they went in. Like for the you know the uh, elves and the dwarves and is it chaos, I think, went in there in the end? Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so, on as well, that was it. So did um, you have any... Now I'm doubling up on questions here. Did you <laughs> yeah, have sure. any um, design input on the like the halflings and undead that just recently were released? No, they they approached me. Uh, so the the team who had uh, 
commissioned me initially to do Blitz Bowl. I'm probably, I should probably talk, just to give some context, to go on a tangent for a moment. If I forget to answer the question, remind me. <laughs> okay. But uh, just to go on a tangent. So how it came about. So I, I left Games Workshop in 2017 uh, to start my own company, Needy Cat Games, uh, which I now run with my partner, Sophie. And uh, that was, there were various reasons for it. One of them was that... Um, one of the one of my colleagues, a chap called Alan Bly, passed away suddenly. He was forty six years old, and uh, it suddenly occurred to me that life can be very short. And so I kind of took the leap of faith. I've been wanting to do for a long time and set up this company. But part of the process of that was knowing, you know, I wanted to have some work from the start. And so it just happened that they were looking to create a couple of board games to go into mainstream retail. And they were quite short on resources in-house to do it. So uh, they came to me and said, hey, look, if you're leaving, if you're going, going to go and be a freelance game designer, how do you fancy designing a game for us on a freelance basis? And so I did. So I so I wrote Blitzball after I left Games Workshop, but it was very much uh, I was going in, you know, showing off to the, the, the team. It was a different team from the – so it wasn't part of Forge World. It was done by a whole separate – by the main studio, basically. Um by a, rather by a team within the main studio but uh it was it was like i say i had lots of free reign um to do kind of what i wanted to do so uh so to circle back to the question when it came time to do the expansions uh, i got an email saying uh they're doing the expansions in-house but do i have any input do i have any suggestions any things i'd like to talk about unfortunately it came when i was in the middle of some crazy deadline crunch things like that. i said I've, I've got a few ideas. Here's some. Here's just some very quick things. Uh, I would normally say, if you want to pass things my way, I'll look over and whatever else. I didn't unfortunately have time to at the time, uh, but you know, I, um, they're they're a good team of people. They'd had a fair bit. They'd been involved in playtesting the game and you know tidying up the rules initially. So I was like, yeah, off you go, carry on. Um, I've not actually seen. Well, I've I've seen a couple of discussions about the new rules uh the halflings sound pretty powerful from yeah. what i've heard they do and that's what we heard too so that's why i was curious if you designed those and i guess i should follow this up with like i know everybody expects like halflings should suck at blitz bowl because they mm. suck at blood bowl when in my brain this could, this could be a way to make you know, there's some people out there that don't like the tier system. Like, you know, like yeah. if I want to challenge myself in Blood Bowl, I try to play a goblin team to win, not hurt people, and you know, vice versa. If I need to really win, if I really want to go to competitive tournament, I play Wood Elves <laughs> yeah, or Undead. Yeah. So maybe I always thought maybe Blitz Bowl is the answer of we can all be on an even tier now. I think, to me, um, when I look at you know designing the rules for a team or a, a you know a warband or a faction, whatever game I'm, I'm designing for, uh, it always goes back to the, the narrative and the and, and the fiction and the theme. And to me, if you're designing a team like goblins or halflings, the individual players should probably be worse than their counterparts in another team. But the team overall there's no reason why you can't give them some way to compete. So for example, the goblin team uh, happens to have more players. That was actually just a consequence of the sprue having more models on it because one sprue is one blitz bowl team. That was kind of a thing that we settled on quite early. Right. And, um, but the fact that the, the goblin team, because the blitz bowl rules are a bit more simple, a goblin player still hits as hard as anyone else, but they take a pounding much easier. They fall over much easier. They're not, not necessarily as good as other things. Um, 
So, yeah, I, I feel that the, the tier system works fine for Blood Bowl, and it is what it is, and trying to change it would just invite all sorts of havoc. But for Blitz Bowl, I think, as long as the individual players are worse than, say, a, you know, a human equivalent or something, um, there's no reason to say that the Goblin team or the Halfling team have to be worse than the other teams. And actually, I think it's, a, it's much more accessible to new players, because if they go, I really love those models and want to play a game with those models, you shouldn't punish them for that. Right. Um, so, so yeah. So, I mean, I think look, looking at the actual the rules themselves for the team, I mean, I've, I've only had a brief look and I've not seen them in person, but it does feel like maybe they're a little bit too powerful. Again, it's hard for me to say without sitting down and playing a game. I, I try not to judge rules until I've played with them myself. Right. But, um, yeah, they. I, I think I would have maybe, you know, at, at a first draft, maybe done something a little bit less powerful but give them an advantage elsewhere in some way okay that's fair enough the undead i've not really looked at at all so no comment there unfortunately yeah i haven't actually bought them yet so you know i don't yeah. want to get into it because like i said i haven't played them yep well um, they've been they sold out really quick over here or at least, oh, really i think yeah. the halflings did but well like i noticed people posted online yeah. and i just went to like check and then, like, yeah. the next time I check, they're all gone. Now, I'm sure oh, wow. they go in and out, you know, like, oh, they yeah. get a whole box of them, and then they sell them, and then they come back in yeah. stock. And so, uh, to be fair, there's such an awesome range of models. I wouldn't be surprised people are just buying them because they look cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, and... If nothing else. And really, I mean, I, I don't know why, and you can speak on this if you want, or you don't have to. I have no idea. Does GW want us to buy two teams so we spend twice the money, or is it just a pain in the ass to give us like a booster pack because yeah. that's what I've heard some people say like oh I'll I'll just buy one of these to get my extra you know whatever yeah. figures and it's like okay I have no idea so I mean I, I can only speak for you know from where things were when I left because obviously once I'm out the door I'm no longer in the inner sanctum I don't, I don't hear the uh, how okay. things are working now right um, but certainly when I was there there was there was a desire to put out the uh, booster models so individual like resin models that were alternate poses that sort of thing um but the main issue they were having was uh like pipeline they, they just didn't have enough sculptors in-house enough uh you know mold makers and things to get the models out quickly enough i know they have hired more people since then uh but I, I, it's hard to say i don't know whether it was um i mean i suppose and this is just me speaking hypothetically i suppose the cost of putting out, say, a, a single sprue box is probably not much different from the cost of putting out a two sprue box. Okay. Because um, the difference in weight isn't going to be all that different. The difference in production cost isn't all that different. Uh, so maybe it's not profitable to do a half box um, because the box would have to be the same size and, uh, because the sprue is the same size. And, and yet um, they're doing that for so, Barnes & Noble for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. But I suppose there, the, the benefit is it's getting into a new market that it yeah. wouldn't necessarily do. So I know that sometimes with that sort of deal where it's like an exclusive to a shop, it, they but, will demand a product that isn't sold anywhere else. Yeah, that makes okay. sense. All like, right. But by just putting one one screw in the box and sending it that way, then that, that ships that way. Ah. So I assume with the new teams coming out that Blitz Bowl, at least I'm I'm assuming you've heard from G the people that you still know at GW, like, hey, we're really happy with this. We're... You know. Yeah, they see, it certainly seem to be. I mean, um, I, I know it's um, the the fact they've put more teams out is I mean, that's that's a great sign straight away. That that means that the that's what I figured too. Yeah, yeah. Um, as I say, I, I I don't get told any future plans now, but it certainly looks like 
you know they are happy that the game is out there it's still being sold it, it, when it first came out i was i would not have been surprised if it had been a six month uh on the shelf and then out of stock kind of deal yeah because i know games have done that in the past um but this definitely feels like one where they're they're really happy i imagine barnes and noble is probably saying it keeps selling please keep selling it to us yeah i know that <laughs> so, um, when it yeah. first came out it was sold out around here quite often and yeah. only part of that was because of me <laughs> yeah. well that's true you bought a lot of copies i, I did but buy, uh, but well, i remember in the, during the first like after three months yeah we'd go we'd go purposely around going well barnes noble's discount game surely <sighs> blitz bowl you know and then like because i wanted the extra box to get the extra dice yeah i really did want it <laughs> yeah. to kind of fail so i can get cheap copies but <laughs> I'm, I'm, i guess i'm glad it's succeeding steve's a terrible yeah. friend yeah <laughs> Uh, I, I did that with there was a game called HeroScape uh, about 10 15 years ago maybe yeah it was yep. like a hex based uh, it was like an individual miniatures game no yeah I, had, I, I had the marvel HeroScape so i understand yeah, yeah like amazing like the, the hex based scenery that you could kind of build up it was really oh. cool and um that went on sale i bought like three copies of the core <laughs> game because it was so cheap and i now have just a huge pile of stuff i still use it for prototyping boards and things that's cool but i remember when the the marvel version came out i was like screw hero clicks i'm just buying hero escape <laughs> yep. because yep. these models are just as good as those the rules are fun and friendly and i get all this little terrain and then i was like when's the next set coming out and then i start seeing it disappear and i'm like dang yep. it yeah, like, there, was, there was like a big fortress there was all sorts of stuff it was amazing yes, um, good stuff fun fact uh rob davio who was one of the lead designers on that uh is the guy who later on went on to create risk legacy and like, legacy games is yeah, the whole I, thing which is a whole i know who rob is yeah that's that's yeah. really awesome. He, I did not Hero know Escape. he had Heroscape uh, roots. That's yeah, cool. I, I believe it. Heroscape was it was him and someone else, and the, the other guy was involved in Hero Quest back in the eighties. Ah, uh, so like that, that's kind of you can sort of see the the design DNA coming through there. Cause they had a very similar dice system to Hero Quest. I honestly thought that was just a uh, not a sequel, but I guess I thought it was a reimagining of Hero Quest. It it had. But, well, it certainly had a lot of the same kind of mechanics to it, but yeah. you know, yeah, I, I I do love that. I love seeing like the design DNA of games. Like when you see like a, a designer has a certain way of doing things. I'm sure I have this. Obviously, I'm I'm too close to it, so I can't see it. But I'm sure uh, over time, people will start going, "Oh, that's that's a that's a thing James always does in every game he does." You know, <laughs> um, hopefully, I, 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 I it doesn't go into like cliche and me just doing it every you know the same thing over and over again. Unless it's good quality stuff, and then absolutely there you go. Oh, his name escapes me, but you can you can see it in all his games, like uh, Chaos in the Old World, Rising Sun. You know what I'm talking about. The oh, guy from yeah. Man, uh, Eric M. Lang. Eric Lang, yeah. I mean, yeah, you can see yeah, a lot absolutely. of little similarities, like, oh, this is one of his games. And after yeah. you play him for a while, you go like, oh, I get it. I know what Who, we're doing. Who's the far and away guy? Um, oh, um, uh, Lacotte. Uh, Ryan Lacotte. Ryan, yeah. Ryan, yeah. Uh, all his stuff if is I'm very it. similar, but I think it's supposed to be. Near and Far, Above and Below, and yeah, there's a new Far one recently, away. isn't there, I think, which I've yeah. tried. Great game design. They're all though. fun, though. Yeah. We're on a massive tangent about board games now. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. Welcome to Both Down. We love tangents. Well, I love board games, so <laughs> me and my family, we easily have over 100 board games at home, and every excuse to get outside is like, well, we go buy a board game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, uh, it's been like debated for a while now that the reason I started a business was to have an office so that I can have more space for board games. Uh, this is this that is makes very sense. true. The, yeah, absolutely. So we've got the reference copies at work of, of things. 
and then the shelves at home are a little bit less stressed looking. It's all tax write-offs. I mean, yeah. How... It really, really is. <laughs> yeah, how often do you go like, well, I have to buy this for research. Absolutely, yeah. That, it, it's, yeah, that's, that, can come on, that can go on the company card. You know, we, we'll claim tax back on that. That's, that's fine. It's, it's definitely a research project. So, um, yeah. as, as you've stated, you have branched off. You are doing your own company, Needy mm-hmm. Cat Games. And yes. I've been following you. You seem to be doing pretty well. Put out some good product. And uh, now you. you're getting into a podcast or seminars and stuff. Yeah, we've got all sorts of things happening. So um, we started out doing like, you know, game design for clients. So people come to us and say, we've got this game or, you know, this uh, range of models or uh, license. So we design a game for them. Then we started doing like uh, reviewing other people's games as in not reviewing uh, more like editing people's right. games, uh, helping them, you know, make their rules writing good. Um, and then from that, we started running game design courses. So we're actually, I'm actually doing one tomorrow morning. Uh, we're doing a, a game design course all day tomorrow, uh, telling people how to put their games on Kickstarter or get them published in other ways. Uh, we've now started running some of those online. So uh, if you go to needycatgames.com slash events, uh, there's like tickets. I think there actually aren't any more on sale now because we've, we're having a break for the rest of this year. But uh, next year we'll bring some more back. Uh, we also, yeah, we have a podcast. So uh, Sophie presents it. I do all the technical stuff uh, where we talk to people about how they got into the games industry. Uh, we run a games industry networking group. Uh, and this is while having a four-year-old. Uh, I don't really <laughs> sleep anymore. Yeah, um, sleep is overrated. Absolutely. And then all the time you're working on new games. So we've currently got a game we're looking to uh, kickstart ourselves early next year, probably around January time, um, which that'll be quite exciting. Um, It's the first time we've done a game that's completely our own. And it's just a little uh, robots fighting in an arena kind of thing it's card based it's it's nice. really fun it comes in about an hour playtime uh and it yeah everyone has been really enjoying it has been playing it so it feels like it's, it's onto a good thing we're off to a proto spiel event later well, this month so i don't know how big our footprint is in the gaming industry but if you want to send a copy for us to play test we'll uh <laughs> you know what? enjoy actually, to do that for real i was going to say i mean this week we've, we've been looking at people who are going to send prototype copies too so i will definitely send you a copy Ooh. and you can uh yeah, seriously i mean i'll give you feedback if we don't like something yeah. we usually you know <laughs> it's actually it, it's on uh tabletop simulator there's a print and play version if you really want to give it a go um, oh wow but we, yeah, we um, play with our buddy if, sarge he moved away and he loves that tabletop simulator oh there you go well if yeah if you go to uh needycatgames.com slash games uh the links are all there it's currently don't don't if you're gonna print and play it don't print and play it right now <laughs> because there's a uh, an update about to go up there but steve uh, you just ruined my my actual copy of the game thanks a lot buddy <laughs> oh i'm sorry <laughs> i but I, I was gonna say what we'll do once you've got a nice pretty copy i will also send you that you can you can you can have a go and see what you think <laughs> um so what i'm gonna go on this we're gonna stay on this tangent of board games so like just name off some of the board games that get to your table, like within the last year. I, it, when you're not yeah, working, sure. um, I, I I play like a lot of board games. We we are a board game household. Um, uh, our, our daughter realized about six months ago that the board game shelves have got board games on them, and she loves that. <laughs> so she's always going. I want to play that one. When she turns four in a week, and she she loves she loves games. But yeah, so what what have we played recently? So uh, I played a game of Whiz War last night, which is a classic. Uh, game from it's had like a million editions 
and it's like a up to four players, a bunch of wizards slinging slinging spells and generally causing havoc. Uh, been playing a lot of Star Wars Rebellion, which is a really solid <laughs> uh, two-player game. We just, I just taught that to two of my friends like four four or five days ago. So oh, yeah. I've, I've never played it more than two player. I want to give it a go, um, but it's I, I I love it. I love the psychology of that game. Uh, the bluffing and the you know the fact that it's asymmetrical it reminds me of Netrunner which I play a lot of okay. uh, or did until that died uh, Netrunner was a lovely game um, which again it's asymmetrical each player is doing a very different thing uh, what else uh, there's a game called Stronghold which yeah is... I played Stronghold the second edition uh, so I, I I play first edition I'll have you know I'm 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 old school like that yeah you're... <laughs> that's because you don't want to um... buy a new copy of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was actually um, I, I I saw some of the changes and I, I I didn't quite like them, so I hmm. I did the 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 grognard thing. Went well, I'm going to stick with my first edition. Thank you very much. <laughs> stick with my wooden cubes. Uh, but either way, I've heard second edition is actually really good. I just haven't. I've only it. I've only played second edition. Um, for the most part, I'm not a big two player game. Like I'll yeah. die because I I really think the perfect group is like four, a good yeah. solid four. But it it is a good two player game. Same with Rebellion. Um, they're both games where you kind of you get into the other player's head, and I quite like that. It feels very, uh, it's a face-off, you know. Right. Um, Have but, you played yes, Root? That, that's that. Sorry, go on. Have you played Root? No, I really want to. I've okay. got a friend who's picked up a copy, and uh, he keeps threatening to bring it around, and we're going to play it eventually. Uh, a friend of ours loves that game, and it's it's completely asymmetrical. Like, yeah, it's it's it makes so me odd. mad because I can't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> it really feels like you have to play it multiple times with the same race to even have an idea what you're doing. I, I've heard this. It does feel like another, another game where you have to uh, kind of battle through it to get to the point where you can really enjoy it. Yes. Right. And I mean, that it's the sort of game where I, I, just, I don't have time for that these days. No, I, I can I, understand that. We've played a lot of Everdell and a lot of uh, Star Wars Outer Rim lately, too. Yeah, so I picked up Everdell recently. Got it, got it for my birthday, which was which was nice. It's um um, I like it, but it feels a little bit. And this sounds so mean because it's I, I I love the game, but it feels like it could have done with another month of testing. In my mind, there are certain cards that just feel far too powerful. There are certain things like certain abilities that just feel like they're um a bit wacky. And out there, like there's the is it the fool or the jester who's a character that lets you give other players negative points. It's the yeah. only mechanic in the game that lets you do that. Right. It feels so out of place. <laughs> yeah, but... I love the game. Scott but, stuck yeah. me with him, and then I just I took him to university and got rid of him. Yeah. And made yeah. him smart. Yeah. <laughs> that made me so mad. Scott off, and he still won the game. I'll tell you what, though. That game is it's just phenomenal to look at. And the, it is. The, the components, the, the berries, are one of the, my favorite components in a game, the little <laughs> squishy berries. Yeah. yeah. I just want to eat them. Yeah, <laughs> they're added to the big list of components I must not play with while hungry. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is a surprisingly large list of those. There I, really is. Have you played? Um, uh, it's uh, Azul, the stained glass of Sintra. Have you seen that one? I've, I've seen it. Yeah, I played. Uh, is that the first one that came out? It's the second one. because okay. the first one's the one where they're like the tiles, the, the opaque tiles. The second one, they look like like fruity sweets. They're like, oh, like little. Okay. They're no, just. I'm like see-through and translucent and colorful and you just want to pop them in your mouth but yeah i mean I, I play a lot of games not i've not played as many in the last little while as i'd like to but um i'm lucky enough to have a few friends we're all quite keen i've actually i've just started 
a little after hours board games night at the needy car office so we just invite some friends over get a pizza play some games um but yeah look, uh, i i've i found myself sort of falling behind the curve on new things that are out but thankfully i've got some friends who are quite you know finger on the pulse so they keep bringing things over and we, we try different things out i don't know behind the curve on one way but you're also ahead of the curve by making <laughs> stuff so well, yeah, very true and i think true. trying to stay with the curve in board gaming sometimes is a bad deal because no matter what you know like like a good game's still going to stay in print, so like you'll, yeah. you'll get to it eventually and stuff like that. So I think what's interesting is where board games are right now. There are so many um, situations of people trying out new things and you know new trends happening. And I think actually almost having a couple of months, you know, being a couple of months months behind the 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 front of the wave lets you have a little bit bit of perspective and see right what's actually a good idea. What's What's this? Also, uh, a lot of the time you'll see a game come out which has a really interesting idea, but it actually doesn't implement it very well. And then the the good game comes out, you know, six months later, right. which uses that idea. So, I mean, Dixit is a great example. Dixit is a, is a fantastic, weird game. Have you played it at all? I have not. And for years I've heard, like, you have to get this and play this with your kids. You <laughs> yeah, must own absolutely. it. You must own it. You must own it. And every time my money has gone to some other, you know, cult of the new type thing or just something yeah. I've always wanted. Because it's, it's, it's a game where basically you're um, – you're picking a card from a deck and the card is covered in random images of some kind, some kind of dreamlike imagery. And you're trying to convey information to the other players uh, through, uh, I think in Dixit, the rule is you have to say like a line, a line of dialogue. It could be a couple of words, it could be a line from a song. You could hum something, but you're trying to connect with the other players in some way and get them to choose this card. And it was, it was a really interesting idea, but the actual, the gameplay is kind of straightforward. So then a game called Mysterium came out, which took the same kind of idea and had a very similar kind of deck of cards, but it added, added a whole lot of stuff where one person's playing as a ghost and the other players are trying to solve that, that person's murder. Huh. And they can only communicate to the players through those cards. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's cool. I've heard tons of great things about Mysterium and that's yeah, one fantastic. that one day I hope I get to play. So, It's a game that has um, a really interesting kind of dramatic curve to it. Like, uh, so... As you go through it, you are, as the ghost player, you're just getting increasingly frustrated because you will be putting cards down and it's so obvious to you <laughs> that, you know, they should be looking at this thing, but they keep going down tangents. And as soon as the game is over and you're allowed to talk again, you explode with like, <laughs> oh, I can't believe you didn't do this. And, you know, whatever it is, it, it, it's a game that has a really interesting climax. Huh. You know, everyone's excited at the end of it. And yeah, but yeah, the, the idea of a game that comes out with an interesting idea but then it's not until someone else takes that and goes oh but what if you did this as well yeah so i think actually having a bit of perspective and not being on the cutting edge is actually not a bad thing all right last question here yeah it's not sure. really a question more of a comment i guess um the hellboy game yeah i, I must say that your ties to blood bowl is what made me get onto that kickstarter because <laughs> I don't want to like act like I'm talking bad about Mantic, but we've had so many friends who like buy into their oh this Mantic latest campaign. You got to get this. You got to get this. And then like after it comes out, they're not playing it anymore. So I was really scared with Mantic's name tied to this that I could not get anybody to play Hellboy. <laughs> we've we've really enjoyed Hellboy so far. There's a ton of stuff in those Kickstarter boxes. It almost feels too overwhelming at times. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> yeah. but you did a really great job on designing that. And I was just curious, like, 
usually with Kickstarters, there's a lot of feedback of everybody's like, oh, we got to get the Kickstarter, and oh, this is great. And then when they come out to stores, some games really die down. So I'm just yeah. curious, like, how's been the feedback once it hit retail? People have actually been really, really happy with it. I think uh, we were so I, I had exactly the same concern. I've, I've, I've been involved in Kickstarter board games uh, as as long as board games have been on Kickstarter. So I was, uh, I was working for Mantic when Dreadball hit Kickstarter, which was their first kind of big board game um, on Kickstarter, and that was around the first. I think it was one of the first UK board game Kickstarters overall, and there had only maybe been a dozen or so before it. So I was there kind of from then. I feel like watched... I should apologize for what I said about Dreadball, but <laughs> I'm also not what going you... to do that because I feel fully justified in it. <laughs> what, what did you say about Dreadball? Tell me. Oh, a lot of bad stuff. I just It wasn't for me. Yeah. It just I wasn't think... my type of game. It just Steve said, why would I play Dreadball when I have Blood Bowl? Exactly. That's what it comes down to. I think what's interesting is a lot of the things that I liked about Dreadball made it into Blitzball, um, in that it was a game which you could play in a much shorter space of time, it had a sudden death mechanic, etc., uh, etc. Et I think the parts where Dreadball is weakest is where it tried to be like Blood Bowl. Yeah. And you know, I mean, that was that was that was that. I mean, in you know, I only had a small amount of control over, over actually what what made it into it. I was kind of a supporting designer on it. I wasn't the lead lead, lead designer. Um, and yeah, there are certain parts of it. I, I I will still happily play it and have a good time. But sure. I think yeah, it's um, some of the uh, yeah I think the, the the principles that I liked about it, I was able to then play around with in, in Blitzball. But um, yeah, so I was saying, so Kickstarter board games, I. I've long been a you know a follower of them, and I didn't want to make Hellboy into a game where if you didn't have the Kickstarter edition, you'd missed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the retail version was just kind of a neutered version of the Kickstarter game. So we designed the game uh, around the core box, um, and this, to be fair, this is the same thing that. I knew from working at Games Workshop, you know, the idea of having like a, a good solid core game and you can then expand on top of that. Um, and so, yeah, so with, with, with Hellboy, we were like, right, how do we make this, you know, four agents, 18 bad guys, six missions? How do we make that as compelling as possible? And then how do we make it easy to add stuff into it? So we put a hell of a lot of work into making the scenarios uh, modular and replayable and into making it as easy as possible to add expansions in so that when so you can buy like one expansion and have a whole load of new stuff which not only gives you new missions but revitalizes those six missions in the core game and as such i think that has kind of paid off because people who have picked up at retail i mean it's it's been getting really nice reviews um it's got i think the highest board game geek rating of anything i've i've worked on uh like 8.3 which is wow, very wow. high uh, is. considering you know i but mean any kickstarter like game you can have people tearing it down yeah but um no i'm i'm, I'm very happy with how hellboys happened <laughs> i mean especially things like the uh the wild hunt expansion which we did after the the kickstarter that was kind of done as a uh an additional thing right and that that's reviewed really nicely well, um well we got the we got the initial kickstarter in and then like I don't know, something came up, like, if you want to go back and change your pledge or whatever for the extra stuff. Yeah, yeah. And we bought hardcore into all the extra stuff. And, <laughs> and from a guy that was, I showed multiple people, like, hey, you need to play this game with me. And we went through that kind of that first mission. I tell you yeah. what, <laughs> you know, at times it's like, oh, I won. And other times 
<laughs> I had to apologize to two friends. Uh, so we're, we're <laughs> in Oklahoma. We drove down to uh, Texas a couple hours away just to play at this yeah. big giant game shop. And I showed my buddies this game. And I was like, yeah, you know, we'll we'll go through this mission really quick, beat it, and we'll play the next mission. And we got our asses stomped. And those guys are like, I think that game might be too hard. And I'm like, no, it's not. But it really fits the theme well. And I think um, you you designed a really well game with that. So, Thank you. I think um, with because of the nature, because it, it's a random game, what we did, we certainly we put more emphasis on kind of cool moments than on like a balanced experience. Because like you say, that's kind of that's the story. That That's the that's the way the narrative goes off in Hellboy. It's, it's not a thing which is uh, predictable, shall we right. say, <laughs> to say the least. Well, yeah, at, at first I was like, I just wish this game was like Shadows of Brimstone. That's exactly yeah. what I thought of. And then once I played it, I was like, no, it doesn't need to be this. Because it's just a mission for Hellboy, you know, or, or the agents or whoever. Yeah. So. That's kind of the thing. I mean, because we had a lot of people saying during the Kickstarter, but can you add in a campaign mode? Can you add in leveling up or whatever else? And every time our answer was, yeah, but that's not that's not Hellboy. You know, that, that's right. because I mean, we are so keen to make games feel like their theme. And yeah there are moments of like character growth and change in the stories but they happen because of interesting plot developments not because you've punched 10 frogs yeah. you know um and so it would have been a bit disingenuous to kind of make a game which you know had that and yeah we could have got away with it because it's it's a, it's it's a board game and you can kind of get away with that kind of thing but saying oh hellboy has killed enough bad guys now he can shoot twice it, yeah it would have felt a bit naff but actually I, th- I think i think the game plays quite nicely as a standalone thing i know there are people online who are going to add their own campaign leveling up rules and that's fine i, I love it when people do that kind right. of thing. i've even played it solo and so yeah. i mean it's it works well so awesome oh good all right. Well, do you have anything else for us before we let you go? I know you're a busy man, and we've kept you up all the hours of the night. Uh, no, I, I, thank you for having me. It's been so nice to actually finally get on and speak to you, you know, because <laughs> well. I've been following you guys, you know, even since before I was working at Games Workshop. I've, I've, I've known of you, you know, and it's uh, it's nice to actually get on and actually have a chat for once. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because, what, yeah, what's uh, your f- favorite uh, yeah. team to play in Blood Bowl? Oh, difficult. So I know, that's I, what I say too. It's too difficult. It, to me, it's on the mood. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've, I've, I've got, I've always had an orc team. They will always be my, you know, my, my one tree love. I, I tend to go with a, a fairly versatile orc team. I, I, I'm not a big fan of conventional wisdom. You know, I mean, you know, whenever you see, well, you know, every orc team must have, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I, I tend to shy away from that, but I've got, uh, I like, I, I don't like trolls. And I do like throwers. And you know that that that's that's who I am. Okay. I understand. Um, if I'm not using them, I had uh, a pro elf slash elven union team for quite a while, um, and I I really I, I like. But to be fair, I had them back when you had catchers that started with leap, <laughs> which Ooh. was just it was a lovely starting team. Man, I don't um, remember that at all. Well, sorry, way back when. Oh, okay. That was literally when when that team first. This would have been, let me think, around two thousand six, maybe two thousand seven. Wow. Okay. So long time ago. When, when the metal team uh, with the, the hockey hockey masks came yeah. out. Yeah. It might have been even and, before then. So yeah. 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 It may well have been. And I loved that team, but then I had them in my work bag, and they fell out of their box, and I didn't realize, and they got 
pounded into pieces and they got flattened because the, the metal was quite soft. And I never had the heart to remake that team. Uh, so they were my backup. But I've, I've, I've played a lot of teams, as I'm sure everyone has. Um, the one I haven't... I've never done a Chaos team. Huh. So I like Chaos. Like maybe, they're maybe they're simple. Should. They're fun. Yeah, nah, I don't know about that. They're okay at certain <laughs> tournaments, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know we said we'd let you go, but since you're such a big Blood Bowl fan and you were at GW and Jervis was there, did you yeah. ever get a game in with him? You know, I actually never did. Um, I, I play. So I, I used to when I was in the rules team. I we we shared a desk. You know, I worked next to him for like two and a half, three years. Yeah. Uh, he's a, he's just a lovely man. Uh, I I've still got a book he lent me. I need to give back to him. <laughs> um, but we never once played Blood Bowl. How what about Blitz Bowl? Really nice was. Uh, oh no, sorry, Blitz Bowl. No, I haven't played Blitz Bowl either. No. Oh, um, okay. I don't know if you if you ever actually played it. I know. I'm trying to think now because I I'd, I'd left the the office. Uh, obviously by the time I'd started designing it and right. I don't know if he ever actually did. I'm sure, I'm sure he will have done. Uh, I'll have to drop him an email and ask, ask his opinions cool. and uh, <laughs> see what he says. Um, well, definitely let us was, know. And um, yeah, absolutely. Anytime you want to come back on, we're happy to have you. If you want to promote your Kickstarter, if you want to just talk about needy cat games, where everybody yeah, can perfect. go needycatgames.com. Or if you want to educate people on how to name your blood bowl team, so it can be both down approved and not piss me off when you kick my butt and I have to tell everybody I got beat by the blah 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 crappy t- team name. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh. yeah. I absolutely. do have, I do have to ask you one thing. Scatter yeah. template. Which direction does the two go? Uh, what in what in a? It doesn't matter as long as it's a cardinal direction, right? It goes one, two, three oh. on top. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, I just wanted yeah, the rules guy to back me up so I can put a smack down on anybody online. <laughs> it doesn't who matter. Does that you can rotate it anyway. <laughs> I, I think, yeah, the golden rule is as long as you have agreed before any dice are rolled. Yeah, no. but there's a logical way it's created. It just bugs me. <laughs> there's a reason why Blitzball has an integrated scatter, scatter, scatter touch. I, I do board. love that. And I think yep. we might be adding that to any custom pitches we do from now on. <laughs> I think it just it, it saves a lot of arguments and heartbreak. You know? Sure it does. <laughs> well, James, thanks for coming on. We'll talk to you thanks again so in the future. Me. Excellent. You're listening to Both Down, the number one Blood Bowl podcast, and they have not paid me to say this. It's time for at least and officially the 100th version of shout outs oh god that's not horrible yeah. that's like your worst one ever i know I, <laughs> that's I, a big build up to i know shout-outs. i'm getting old steve we know i'm almost 46 wow and, uh, i'm yeah. like 39 dude no you're not i'm at least 35 you're 29 i am almost at, 30 you know you're going to be yeah, somewhere around there. I'm like 18, 19, 44, like 43. I'm as old as this country is, sir. Minus 200 years. Oh. God. So, yes, I'll be 44 this year. You're old, too. I know. Shout outs. That, that better? Fair. That is better. Uh, way better? Okay. Yep. Yeah, I was trying to build it up, and then I, like, I, let, I let you down. It's kind of like when I have private time with Jen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is going to be really good tonight. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. 
So, so speaking of that, uh, you wanted to give a special shout out to someone about the football team? Yeah, let's give a big old shout out to Sean Burke, who's a big fan of ours. I'm pretty sure if I pooped and I put the logo both down on it and I put it on the website and said, we're selling our poop. I think he might buy it because he buys everything, right? That might be too much. I know, but, but it he, might be. He's a big supporter. Yes, is my absolutely. Point. Big supporter of the show. Number one fan down in Australia. Right. Um, congratulations to him. He, he's been a 49er fan ever since we followed each other on Facebook. He lives and some, breathes and bleeds 49ers. And um, they made it to the Super Bowl, so good luck to him. Also, big shout out to Dustin Parsons, who helps us. All the time at Oklahoma Bowl, uh, a part of the co-organizers, mm-hmm. and um, he's a big Chiefs fan. So one of those guys is going to be really sad, and one of them's going to be really happy. But congratulations to your Chiefs who made it to the Super Bowl. That's going to be a good game. Like first time in a long time, that might actually be a good game. Yeah, hopefully. Maybe. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even know who to root for in this case. Like, yeah. Like part of me is like. I like Jimmy Garoppolo because he was a Pats guy, but then at the same time, like the Chiefs hasn't had anything in years. That's my thing is like the Chiefs haven't had anything in ages, and the 49ers I still think of as dominant. Dominant, right? They're not. So I think I'm just going to enjoy it because I hate when people go, I want the Giants to beat the Patriots just because it's been a while, and I don't want to be that guy. And I don't have a dog in the fight anyway. So I think I'm just going to enjoy the Super Bowl. I might even get some sushi and sit and watch. Fair enough. I mean, the commercials are going to suck because they have for the last. They've sucked for so, so long. long. So, it so long. I don't even buy into that. I don't care. Yeah, but Shakira's doing the halftime show, right? What do I care about her? Dude, it's Shakira. Oh, okay. she's amazing. Okay. I liked her better before she came to America, but is, she's is it amazing. because she shakes her butt? She does shake her butt a lot. Is that what you're into, or do you actually like her music? No, I love That's a her. legit question. Okay, I legit, truthfully, 100% have been a fan of hers since, uh, like... Is she I the used... Shake Your Congo lady? Come no. Come on, baby, no, no, Shake no, no. Your Congo. No, I had two of her albums before she broke in America. Because I... Based used... off her music? or because Based, off, thought... on, based okay. off her music. All right. So, like... Used back in the day when MTV would show music, mm-hmm. and then they stopped, and then MTV Spanish would still show music, and I had that channel. At night, I would put that channel on, just because it was music I haven't heard a thousand times, and I kept finding myself listening to this song that kept coming on, and I'm like, I really like that. It was like, Ojo Sassi, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, I really like that, and then I'd hear it again, I'm like, I really like that, and I heard another song, I'm like, I really like that, and it was all by her. So I ended up getting her album, her first one that she put out, and then the next one that she put out in Spanish came out. I bought it the day one. Like, I actually bought her CD day one it came out, and then she learned English in, like, four months or whatever. Like, she's super smart because she learned English and wrote better songs than I could with her limited understanding of English. (laughs) I was like, geez. Well, that's cool. But, I, I didn't know she was doing a halftime show. So I believe so. Okay. But yeah, if if you're interested in her music, like back when I really liked it, find the Shakira MTV Unplugged. It's great. Just wow. so good. Okay. So that's a big shout out to Shakira. Uh, shout out from what's well, more as information from Anthony Baez. He wants the world to know if you have a like a league at your store or wherever. 
you can sign up for the OBBLM. Online Blood Bowl League Manager, yes. Right. I always through the NAF. I always feel like I'm going to say that wrong. O-B-B-L-M. Even though I say it right, I feel like it's wrong. But anyways, it's a nice little software. I'm not going to say it's the greatest, but I think it is the greatest if you know how to manipulate it. And yeah. I just don't know, and nor do I have the time to go manipulate it. And if you have a group that actually will do it for you and that you can trust, sure, it makes things a lot easier. Yeah, we have, what, four of us in the league can, can enter stats, so that Pretty helps much. a lot yeah. to uh, enter team results but overall it's a good little thing to keep your stats yeah where you're not having like spreadsheets and stuff at home so i highly recommend that to go along with this shout out to phil olson who wrote in an email asking about how to create a league and some tips and advice and i actually told him use obblm oh i would i wouldn't have a league without it anymore yeah like if we started our quote-unquote home league Mm -hmm. i would probably see if i could you know, buy some space or whatever. It's free. Do they do that? It's free. I thought you had to pay 10 bucks like the oh, first for, time. I don't know. Or maybe it's a donation and we paid or something. I don't know. Anyways, look into that on the It's really website. cool. I mean, the only thing I don't like is that you had to scroll all the way down to the USA and then you had to get this big drop down menu. So once, here's, here's how you fix that. Once you go to log in, you're on our group. Right. And you say bookmark the, that. Yeah. Bookmark from there. I swear I do that every time and it doesn't work for me. Well, I don't know. I could be, I'm probably just a crazy old white guy who doesn't understand technology. There's a lot of that in my work. Well, that makes me look so good. <laughs> uh, also, a shout out to Albert Machado. I mentioned him earlier, but mentioned him earlier, but he did write in. So I just wanted to say, you know, thanks for the well wishes and everything. It's always good to hear from people. Yeah. I, I like, I like getting some feedback from people, good or bad. It's always nice to, to yeah. go like, oh, you care enough that you sent an email, mm-hmm. even if you're maybe griping, or maybe if you're Just to be clear, something. he was not griping. It was, it was good. No, I'm not talking about him. <laughs> I know. But. but, I mean, we've had stuff before, like, hey, yeah. you're getting too much maybe on politics. Maybe you're doing too much of this. Yeah. I like that, because sure. at least you're, you care. I wish, like, GW would call me up <laughs> and say, hey, Scott, we care about your opinion. Well, you, you never know. <laughs> Um, who else you got? Some shout outs to the various people that have entered the contest so far. So again, uh, for the 100th episode and for the thousand people on Facebook and everything, we're doing a contest, write your best. Did you know, send it to us. You can have a couple in an email. doesn't really matter, but send it to us and you'll be entered for uh, us to pick our favorite one. And you'll win one of everything we still have from Oklahoma or us. I mean, yeah. dice. Um, we're at least going to have a pitch and a big deal. So that's a hundred and some bucks there. Okay. But plenty of stuff, plenty of prizes. And just get it to us. The pitch alone's worth it. I would say let's, in order to have it picked by the time the next episode comes out, Let's make the cutoff point February 15th, because I don't see us recording anything before then. Wow, Steve's basically saying I'm, he's not going to record with me. Well, we can. We got That's fine. Why don't we make it that Friday, though? February 14th, so sure. Valentine's Day? Yeah. Get it to us by Valentine's Day. 
Get us before Valentine's Day because you're going to be busy. Yeah, hopeful, hopefully. Yeah, they're going to be buying flowers and chocolates. And, and chocolate flowers. Chocolate flowers. And flowered chocolate. Flowered chocolates. <laughs> it's my one regret overseas is I didn't buy any of that ruby chocolate. You should have. Yep. You should have bought everything. I, too broke, man. Too broke. And um, I guess shout out to some tournaments that are coming up around our area. Uh, Rock Cup is going to be April 4th, I believe. Correct. Uh, that's run by Mac McDonough that has like a Nurgle type theme. Um, I'm but, assuming it's still the same where people get infected with the Nurgle Rock. Probably. And, and it's uh, Austin, it's Texas. It's pretty fun. Pretty fun event. It's one I always regret missing. I think Matt McDonough doesn't want me to go because he always schedules it on a weekend when I have my children. And again, it's a 50-50. So. I know that. Actually, I know it's a lot more than that. He doesn't care. (laughs) He doesn't care if I miss or go. He'd probably rather me go. He would like you to go. Yes, absolutely. But a lot lot of times what people don't realize is you have to do whatever the store says. Yeah. Oh, you can't be here because of magic or whatever. So it's at Wonko's again, though. So that's a a really cool store. The last time we went was at Wonko's store, and I really enjoyed them a lot. Yeah, I did, too. Um, we got our Oklahoma Bowl and Spiky Cup coming up March 14th, 15th. And then the Blood Bonnet Bowl, February 8th, Houston, Texas is doing a tournament. I know. It's not too far. They've been talking about doing one for a long time, and they're finally doing it. I think it's really cool. Yeah. I, I guess that's where the old Blue Bonnet Bowl was. There used to be a college bowl called the Blue Bonnet Bowl. I vaguely remember that. So I don't know if that was huh. hosted in Houston, Texas. Probably te- was. Or not. But yeah. anyways, there's got to be some connection there. Um, that makes sense. If you listen to the last episode that's not in numerical order, the special of the SRG Universe Super Show Tournament, the creative compar- competitor event that me and Steve are doing, that is on February 29th. Um, please come out if you... Maybe you want to just travel in because you can't make it to Oklahoma Bowl because maybe you have an anniversary or something, but you want to come hang out with us. We have stuff you can borrow if you'd like to play. Yeah. Um, should be a really fun event for the... We've already had people asking um, if there's leftover product, I will probably save it for the Super... Uh, for Oklahoma Bowl weekend and maybe do a small little event that Friday or something. That'd be cool. I don't anticipate leftover product, but I know people have already been asking about some of the Super Show stuff. So there is that. Um, in, a, in addition, a lot of people started telling us like, oh my gosh, Oklahoma Bowl is only limited to 70 people and freaking out. And we have more people coming. All I can tell you is we probably, because <laughs> we know the store owner's not going to listen to this. We probably have more room than 70. We can figure it out. But he was really scared because he doesn't want to look bad and have people playing on the floor or anything. Yeah. So he made us count up and prove that we had spots. I think if we have a pro, if we get to 70 plus people, we'll gladly smile and figure out the problem. Oh, yeah. We have so contingency plans. Don't but... worry about that. However, do register soon. I I definitely (laughs) register soon, though, to make sure, you know, that helps us kind of know what we're dealing with. Yep. Do we know how many people have registered? About 20 so far. See, only 20 people's registered so far. So if you are worried about your spot. But that's pretty much usual. 
Oh, is that that's normal? Well, it's yeah. January still. Yeah, so exactly. A lot of them happen in February. Mm-hmm. So after they recover from Christmas. So just so you know, we probably can take more than seventy. We know for sure we can take seventy. So mm-hmm. we've never got close to. I mean, I guess we got sixty something. So I guess it is close to seventy. That's hard. <laughs> it's closer than none. But yeah. <laughs> No, it feels weird saying that because 70 seems like such a huge number. Oh, it is. Oh, gosh. Man, we're going to be busy. Hey, I think that's it we have for shout-outs now. Just a general shout-out to everyone for 100 episodes. Like, we can't thank everyone individually because it'd take forever. We've heard from so so many people. Too scared I'd miss somebody? Oh, yeah. Um, Easily. We wouldn't. Well, I I don't want to say we wouldn't continue to do this without you because if nobody was listening probably if we got like 50 downloads we'd probably still do it because that's how our ego is well that maybe but (laughs) but you guys really help your feedback helps you don't realize how often maybe i i i think it works both ways i don't realize how often somebody listening to us we kind of brighten maybe their day. They're having a bad week or something, and they get to hear their friends from Oklahoma. Yeah. You know, give them a spark of, oh, yeah, there is hope or whatever, because we all have those bad times. Mm-hmm. And you guys don't realize how often you help us with your feedback yeah. or just, a, hey, guys, you know, listen to the podcast. It was great to hear you guys joke around or whatever. Mm-hmm. You made me laugh. And then that brings us up, too. So All that time and money and everything that you invested into the podcast is worth it. Exactly. Yeah. And, Good. you know... How long has this been going now? Eight years. Eight years now? Yeah. Eight years is a long time. And it sounds weird to say we have a relationship with you, but we have a relationship with you and vice versa. Because we tell you a lot of things that probably we shouldn't. (laughs) Private life. You know, we get on here and we discuss jobs or we're going through these bad times with relationships or good times and stuff like that. So together we've been through a lot and uh, we appreciate that and- Thank you for listening, and hopefully we'll keep this going as long as we're alive. And probably after one of us is dead. Yeah. At I, least a little bit. Yeah, I know. As soon as I kill over, Drew's going to come in on this thing. Dude, I don't. I honestly don't know if you kill over how to put an episode up. That's all right. I don't know how to record if you kill over. So That's super easy. <laughs> well, I think I think putting the episode up super easy. I just got to keep my importance. Here. Yours has logins. I don't have logins. Yours I, has a website. I don't have a website. It's just turn shit on and go. <laughs> That's when both down volume two starts on Podbean. Yes, <laughs> on Podbean. Sure would. <laughs> it's gonna be like yeah, welcome to Scott episode one. <laughs> and Alan talking about blood <laughs> and Gary. If both of us die at the same time, we do need to have someone do that. Take least, over for one episode. At least let people know. I always thought this is really silly. I thought this like a long time ago. Like maybe me and Steve every now and then should record our last episode, telling everybody like goodbye and thanks for everything. And then if we ever die, huh. we could post it, and it'd be like you know how they have those in movies. You always yeah. see those living will videos where it's like, mm-hmm. "Hello, Jeffrey. If you're <laughs> watching this, I'm probably deceased, but don't worry. <laughs> you can have all these riches as long as you marry." A very attractive Asian woman. You have to spend a million dollars inside of 24 hours. (laughs) And you you... have to spend a million dollars. Go do this (laughs) and you get this. And then the the hijinks ensues. Right. That's not a bad idea. But golly, do we want want to do that? Nobody wants to do it, but (laughs) it might not be a bad idea. 
here is 2020 when Scott thought he would die soon. <laughs> and here's 2021 when Steve thought he was going to die. <laughs> we just piled them all up and we just made, this is issue one, <laughs> episode 150. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But it is a relationship and we appreciate all of you, whether you're supporting us through Dice Buying a t-shirt or whatever. Coming to our tournaments, just listening. Oh, I got a big kick out of somebody posted like, oh, my t-shirt got ruined. And it was one of our both down shirts. And like, basically he was sad because it got messed up. Oh, yeah. It had like brown stuff all over it. And I was like, well, we still got some of those in stock if you want to buy one. Um, We don't have many, though. I don't know that we do. We need to re-up those soon. Wow. I've been saying that for a while, but really we we need to. We're getting out of shirts, so we maybe yeah. need to do that, so. We haven't done one in a while, so sure. Big thanks to everybody. 100. Amazing. 100 down. This at messes, least 100 to go. You know what this does, though? Huh. This messes up all the naming scheme in the system. I oh, always I, name every episode with the... I always put just episode 01, 02, 03, 04, yeah. 11. You know, I never thought that we'd make it to 100, so I never went like 001 is episode 1. So now, in the naming scheme, if I put like one zero zero, it's gonna go to the top of the page. I know it doesn't really matter, but it messes me up from my side being angry okay about files. If you say so, you get what I'm saying? Can't you no, just you don't put it number one hundred. Oh yeah, okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Like if I yeah. if I say episode zero one, I do everything in folders by ten. I know that. I'm talking about. On the actual website behind the oh, okay. scenes, gotcha. They're listed with episode zero one, okay. Episode zero two, because yeah. I thought, yeah, we're gonna be in double digits, but yeah. I never thought so far ahead of like. You never <laughs> think when you start off, you're gonna make it to episode one hundred. If we get to episode a thousand, then that I can't even imagine. There's no way we're gonna get a thousand, dude. There's a couple things you've said that are true. We're probably never going to get two thousand likes. Yeah. Like 1,000 is the big milestone. Right. And it'd be almost impossible to get to 1,000 episodes. Well. I mean. It's been eight years for 100. Right. So we just have to do it for 80 years. Unless we start going weekly. we That's what we do. We change we the format to weekly. Yeah. We only do one segment. Yeah. So there's smaller podcasts. Release them out. We That way we could surpass like 3 Block and everybody that's true. else. We could do that. We could do that. And. Then we could do it, but it's going to be very difficult in the present format, considering that we've probably lived about 60% of our life already. Oh, yeah. Easily. I'll, I love throwing that number out. Being an older guy now, mm -hmm. I'm throwing that out to my buddies, and they get kind of mad. Like, don't say that. That sounds awful. And oh, it's, it's like, awful, well, but it's also true. It's kind of true. You know, like, if you live to 75, and you're 45, that's 60% done. Mm -hmm. You better get, get busy if you're going to have some goals. And again, Scott, ending us on a down note, uh, <laughs> no. we're all going to die. We've had a great life either way, right? That's true. Everything ends, Steve. That's true. Everything ends. Why do you have to keep bringing that up? Everything ends. Speaking of ending, <laughs> we're going to end this, this episode. episode <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can follow Both Down on Twitter at Both Down. You can follow Scott at Fat Finley, F A T F I N L E Y, and Steve at Kilowog2814. If you want to know if your team name is both down approved, 
send a tweet to at BDapproved. If you'd like to email them, the email address is bothdownpodcasts at gmail.com. Or for more information, you can visit them at bothdown.com or at facebook.com forward slash bothdown. You're listening to Both Down with the big guys, Loner and Really Stupid. I'm Steve the Loner, and the big guy, always stupid, is, I guess really stupid, Scott, is not here. This is just a test podcast, so really you're not getting anything out of this at all. Anything. But what I'm doing is testing to see if I can put in some sounds... Like, uh, music. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. Or a bang. Ah! Or some clip from a TV show. Can you stop from being cheerful, please? I don't believe there's power in the verse. Stop from being cheerful. Sometimes you just want to duct tape your mouth and dump her in the hole for a month. I love my captain. Or movie. Or just whatever. My life was wrapped around the circus. Her name was Lydia. I met her at the World's Fair in 1900. Marked down from 1940. But just testing it out and seeing how it goes. So, suck it.